To enjoy this and other great episodes on Patreon, check out the link in the description and subscribe via the Black Kluge tier for full access to over 100 exclusive episodes. For those of you who would like some QF swag on TeePublic t-shirts, magnets, mugs, what have you, also click on the link in the description. And the producer of Howard's Porky's Project telling Howard 100 News the script for the remake is ready to go. Dan Gross saying it's full speed ahead to make Howard Stern's Porky's this fall. That's true. I watch that and I go, who the fuck would want to be broke? I mean, Ryan Seacrest makes a lot of money. What, what does he want to be on New Year's Eve doing that dumb fucking show? But he loves that shit. He loves to work. Sure does. I don't. I'm looking to make the most amount of money I can with the least amount with of money. With maybe one job. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, listen, thank God she's growing up nice. She's not getting any of that awkward stage like that lispy kid. Yeah, she doesn't look awkward. You're right. I said to her, Millie, we can't tolerate you having some sort of awkward stage. You got to do a Brooke Shields and just be hot from the time you're a little girl to the time you're a woman. Yeah, okay, so I wake up in the morning. I see Ralph's bedroom is empty. Artie, I, I realize Artie locks his door at night. I well, you lucky. Do you have a thing? Because what I did was I tried to open the door to see if you were in there because I figured both of you guys were gone. And then the door was locked. Uh, I don't remember doing it. Maybe I did it out of habit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you would lock yourself in at home? No, not in the bedroom, bedroom, but I might have. I was a little drunk myself. I might have locked the. I guess I, I locked guess the, the front door. Well, good thing you did, because I would have been in your room. Right. Are you smart? Who needs you in there? Right. Always lock your door at Howard's house. Meanwhile, that's right. You have raised children in the age of the cell phone. Yes, I have. And uh, you find that. Your kids like to text. They do. But do you ever text and not get an answer back? Yeah, sure. And how does All that make time. you feel? Well, I know they're glued to that thing 24-7. Yeah. Even Beth does that to me. Uh-huh. Like, I write her and she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't answer. Like, uh, the one who was in Sp the first Spider-Man where you play the villain. Your boyfriend. Oh, my God. What a... You saw him in a play. Oh, Willem Dafoe. I think he was naked in the play. Willem Dafoe. Didn't you see him in a play naked? No. Someone told me he was in a play once naked, and uh, well, he's I got a huge cock. I think she's some kind of an editor. Yeah, Gail's Oprah's Ralph. <laughs> oh, that's a good way to put it. All right. But, but uh, she actually completes things. <laughs> yeah, she does. She does? <laughs> no, I, my theory is, and, you know, hey, it's only a theory. I ain't saying anybody's a lesbo. I don't know. But I feel those two are in love with each other and that they do each other and that they have sex with each other. Uh, blown out, lesbian well, sex. So she really is his Ralph. They travel together. You agree, right? I, I totally agree. And I, I, think, felt it. I think if that is true, Oprah should come out of the closet. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host, Fillmore, a.k.a. Jim Fix, and uh, with me, special guest Raven, a return, triumphant return back to the podcast, and Ben. He'd liked, he would he heard about this, and he thought he'd like to sit in if possible. So how are you doing, Rave? I'm doing great. Um, <laughs> I, I told you when I left that I didn't know how long I would be gone for, but there was two things that would bring me back, and that would be if Howard retired or somebody died, somebody big. And that's what it took. So uh, I guess you guys can thank Ralph. And, uh, yeah, I'm here to um, roast a dirt bag that, uh, <laughs> you know, he entertained us, but he he was a despicable human being. And yeah. 
I think there's things that got glossed over in um, Howard's eulogy, obituary, as he likes to call them, yeah. and uh, they need to be brought to light. So who better than yep. you guys to do this with? Well, well, that's that was the episode of we come to Barry B E R R Y uh, Ralph, not to praise him. Um, so, so, uh, ben, how did you hear about it? Did someone message you? Yeah, uh, Tracy Lynn from the old bulletin board messaged mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. and uh, I just replied, "What?" Because she sent me a screen cap, I think it was, or an actual text. And mm-hmm. then I went and looked at it, and then I immediately went on your thread to see if it was real, and um, sent you a note right away saying if you're going to do a podcast on this i want to participate now i haven't heard any of this that we're going to be hearing okay um yeah so and i apologize also for my audio the microphone went bad right before we started recording here we yeah we tried to do whatever we could to get it to work and uh but uh, it's just you guys will have to sort of deal with it as we are um but that's we'll do what we can at any rate i'm going to provide some screen caps for you guys who want in on the the record the you know to follow along on YouTube and for anybody listening while well, we'll narrate some of the stuff anyway. So what happened was I got a message from someone, a screen cap, uh, loads of people messaged me actually. It's kind of amazing how fast it all happened and how many posts I had to decline because, um, yeah, everybody had the same idea. So what? So that's how it. Ha- that's how fast it happens in Stern World. John Stamos on his Instagram wrote the following uh, at around four a.m. or something like that, maybe on Wednesday. Correct. Yeah, a 4 a.m., I guess, Eastern, Eastern time. time. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to read it for everybody. Uh, at the painfully young age of 58, my dear friend Ralph Sorella was suddenly taken from us, leaving us all in a state of profound shock. He was, without a doubt, a one-of-a-kind soul. Ralph wasn't just a friend, he was family. My mother adored him, and I'll always cherish the memory of her affectionately mistaking his quote-unquote berry for a piece of red jello on his upper lip, playfully <laughs> attempting to wipe it away. When we met in the old days where he worked his magic as a makeup artist for Howard Stern's Channel 9 show, I can vividly recall how he transformed Howard into a perfect replica of Larry King, showcasing his exceptional talent and creativity. From the day forward, we were lifelong friends. I just wished he lived longer. Ralph possessed an abundance of untapped potential, but he grappled with finding the motivation to fully realize it, a painful reality that we all witnessed. It serves as a poignant reminder of life's unpredictability, but and the and the importance of not only pursuing our dreams, but also seeing them through to the end. My heart aches at the thought of Ralph, Ralph departing this world alone without ever experiencing the deep love he undeniably deserved. In our final exchange, I shared a story about someone who called me lucky. When I asked why, their response was simple and profound. Because you're friends with Ralph from The Howard Stern Show. Quote, uh, and they were absolutely right. My dear boy, I will miss you so much. I love you, Ralphie boy. Rest in peace. Hey now. Um, so when this came out, I thought it was a joke as well. I thought he'd been hacked. It, right. We've had this before with Brent when uh, somebody posted an obituary for him and that turned out to be fake. So, of course, you know, once burned, you're you're going to be a little weary the second time around when something comes up. But Howard went right into it and it was the uh, screen that uh, they used was Rest in Peace, Ralph Sorella. And then I went on to Beth's Instagram and she hadn't posted anything, but then there were, she, she put on, she posted something very cryptic, like hold on to your friends, even if they're a pain in the ass sometimes, which is, you know, really (laughs) completely tone deaf. But then people started giving their condolences. So she didn't correct and she didn't, you know, it was all about, uh, that was sort of corroboration by way of 
you know, leaving the comments up there, I suppose. And then finally it was confirmed by however many people and, and it was a, it was a definite thing. And then it made the rounds on Twitter. So we had things like this, which made me laugh hysterically. Hold on. Um, my oh, King, of all, priceless. King, King of all blacks <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> he posted, and I'm I'm quoting guys. So my nigga, rest in peace. And it's the the Len Young agrees with me. It's the weirdest excuse, like the weirdest selfie. Like it's all about King. <laughs> it's tone deaf <Right>. completely. <laughs> he's he's smiling and he's got like a nice shirt on and he's all like looking smooth and Ralph is just like looking off in the distance with And his... he's doing he's doing the live long and prosper salute from Star Trek. Right. <laughs> so he's not living long and not prospering anymore. That's the irony there. And it looks uh, like Ralph on that plaid shirt there so that he and King wouldn't look identical with their yes. all white outfits there. Right. So you wouldn't you wouldn't mistake him for the president of the Beastie Boys fan club, right? So the uh, so that was that, and then um, so there's there's all kinds of other things came up. Now later, this is what Beth posted, and Raven sent this to me, but I I had seen it already, and I kind of laughed <laughs> hysterically. It's a picture of a rooster, like some type of rooster, and it says. Um, she wrote down, oh, what a beautiful update on the rooster named Ralph, who was discarded and found alone walking around a family's lawn with nowhere to go a few months ago. I posted him and somebody else uh, came to his rescue and found him a foster who fell in love with Ralph and adopted him. Look at Ralph now. And the 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 the, the, the sad irony here is she Ralph was adopted. The True. real Ralph. Oh. And I think this is a passive aggressive dig at him, to be honest. Raven? It does seem like that. It, it Beth is so strange with, you know, her posts and her relationship with Ralph. I think her and Ralph often fought for Howard's attention or his money in the end. I mean, let's be honest. They're the two closest people that, he, other than his children, who would have any stake in his estate when he passes. But, um, yeah, it, it's... Your comment was cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the other thing. First thing I thought was it's about cock, isn't it? Um, so maybe, maybe maybe she, maybe that's the other reason. So and a lot of people said this is a little tone deaf. This is a little Pittsburgh Strong-esque, you know, in terms right. of how tone deaf it is. Um, ben, what's your take on that? She posted that the day of the announcement that Ralph had died? Yesterday she posted it. Oh, the, yeah. uh, the day after? Uh, or no, yeah. two days after, I guess. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a take on that. That's. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why they would have named him. Does she name him Ralph? Yes. No, I, and I, you know, a lot of things about Beth's Instagram are not timely. They're usually old photos that she reposts. So it's just strange that she would pick of all things that to post two days after his death was announced. A few and months so ago, she said, "Yeah." The, the other thing, Beth was sent over to Ralph's, or she volunteered, as Howard said, to go to his apartment and to talk to the family about making funeral arrangements. So what was she exactly getting out of that apartment? What kind of um, Polaroids? Um, <laughs> script, you know, like um, maybe, who knows, uh, just yeah. videos, anything that, any evidence that needed to be cleaned out of Ralph's apartment. I just wonder what that was. Ben? Yeah, you read my mind. I have not heard the clip yet, but I, uh, any of this yet, 
But I said to Tracy, how could Howard even go on the air without being confident, confident that Ralph's apartment had been cleared out so that some family member doesn't go in with it and find a shoebox and go, what's this? Right. So, uh, you know, I thought, is there a security guard who has already rested, you know, rest assured, Howard, I have the shoebox here. I have whatever else here because he would be too nervous, I think, to go on without being certain that there was nothing in that apartment anymore. Well, this is this is an audio from Artie's um, podcast, Quitter podcast, ages ago when he had Grillo in, and I think it's it, it is a joke, but it was a time when he was still very angry with Howard. He was kind of flip flopping between he's you know he I owe him so much and this and that, and then this is what he had to to say. Just so you know, before you you, you get mad at me, uh, I still have that tape in the safe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There's got to be something. Yeah. Listen. Okay. Listen. Uh, I I I sent uh, a picture of your outfit over to the guys at uh, at H and M. Yeah. They said those shoelaces are free if you wear this tie. <laughs> so do you mind if I get some shoelaces for myself? I know you don't care about the price of shoelaces, but they said I could get ten pairs of shoelaces for me if you wear this tie on Kimmel. So it's just a big Ralph bash because, and that was the the part that I I love that the tape part of it, and so you know we we say it as a he says it as a joke, but why would you make a joke like that if you didn't think there was some truth to it, or if you didn't know that there was some truth to it? Right, it's clear that Artie suspected all along something going on with Howard and Ralph, and the way you know mm -hmm. he was always calling Ralph fruity, mm -hmm. and you know, for Christ's sake, I mean it just the way he styled Howard and the two of them, their looks became like enmeshed, you know, the scarf thing, the tunics from the Metallica concert. The, <laughs> I love that one. The hair, the, the tinted sunglasses, the everything like about the two of them. It's just, it's so odd. It's mm -hmm. Like they were always twinning. No, I was just saying the identical hair. It's like the one was the, he was the stuntman for Howard almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and and Howard eventually on this thing, you know, points out that he took Ralph's look, not the other way around. It really was. Here's my stylist. I'm going to emulate whatever he does. And he did whatever, you know, with some slight alterations, what have you. But um, it was and there's some pictures of them walking through an airport looking basically dressed the same way. Skater boy or grunge. When it was grunge, they went grunge. When it was, you know, air metal days, it was closer to that. Although Ralph always dressed a lot swishier before you know uh, than Howard so my take is this like D Snyder was his original stylist and then he got into the tattoos and then Ralph sort of took the baton and carried it with him as far as like going to consult him with tattoos and what they were going to pick out and then the clothing thing happened and then a, later along the road came Varvados and the hookup there yep so that's just the evolution of Howard's style Ben yeah, um, I actually re-listened to a little bit of History of Howard Stern, and Dee's wife actually was helping Howard along. I think they even used some of Dee's own clothing. There's a picture you can find of Howard wearing this cut-off, sleeves-cut-off Mickey Mouse t-shirt that was mm -hmm. Dee's t-shirt. I think he, he wore it for Rolling Stone magazine or something, so he was just literally playing dress-up. And the way that he and Ralph met really quickly, you know, he, Ralph called in and had his mom in the background on the phone and Howard was doing a rank out thing with the mom and the mom said, uh, you are his hero. So Ralph met him a couple months later in person at the club Binet shows that Ralph, that Howard was doing. I guess he yep. took some pictures 
Gary, uh, for some reason, Howard wanted to see Ralph in person to get these pictures. And Ralph talks about how he shows up to the studio and Gary, while walking him to Howard, kept on telling him, just like a groomer would, you don't know how lucky you are to be going and getting time with Howard right now. People, you know, nobody gets this kind of time with him. You're really lucky. And Ralph talks about how he was really laying it on. Um, but he, he commissioned Ralph, I don't know if it was for, for pay or what, but to make a penis puppet for him. Yeah, talking penis right. for his New Year's yeah. Eve show at the Felt Forum in 86, 87. Right. And so how do you go from Mount Ralph says his interest was in monster makeup and special effects to becoming the stylist of Howard Stern? It's, I was thinking, <laughs> did Jim Henson, did you, like, I would say to Jim Henson, you make great puppets. Would you like to be my stylist? That's not a normal trajectory for your career. So it's very odd that Ralph would become a stylist from being a monster makeup artist. It's also a little disconcerting that a guy who was, okay, in 85, let's say, whatever, Howard would have been, what, uh, 31? Right. Okay. Yep, he so he would, and R Ralph has been to 20. So he's a, he's a high school, he's, he's graduating high school, but there's an 11 year age gap all the way through, obviously. And yep. it's at that time you go back in your history, no 20 year old is friends with a 31 year old. Do you just don't hang out with people that age? Nope. Especially a married father who's 31. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And and so it was. It's definitely there's grooming overtones when you look back at it. There's definitely a you know like a, a Merv Griffin, um, you know Ryan Seacrest type thing or a Liberace Scott Thorson angle to it. Especially when the clothes start, you know the the looks start mir mirroring each other. So yeah, Raven. Let's not forget that Ralph was molested by a priest when he was much younger. So again, the father hunger. He was ripe for the picking. Pun intended. Yeah. It just, um, wow. You know, he had a tragic upbringing, being adopted, then being molested. Mm -hmm. So he was raised by his mom, lived with his sister. And then, you know, he Howard's his hero. Okay. So it, they, they were just destined, I guess, to uh, have this life. I guess so. And in fact, I've got some audio. Of, uh, there's a video I'd like to play uh, that we're going to put into the thing. It's, um, it's the... It's the vid. It's the. It's part of the video where they have the. There's some issue with the at the private parts premiere, and Ralph throws Bowie's jacket aside, and mm. they go into it on the air. And and Ralph, it's 45 minutes of you know everybody taking shots at Ralph, and this guy calls him, and he calls him a minor sociopath, uh, but but it's actually mild. Uh, that's the term that he. Do you? I want you guys to hear this, and then I'm going to read what that what it, this entails, and it's it's very fascinating, and it'll dovetail into everything we talk about tonight. What, what does the psychologist have to say? Psychologist. May I speak? Even yes. if I did. Go ahead, Dad. Howard. I used to do exit counseling for cults. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. And this is a classic example of a minor sociopath who is do anything for your love, affection, and recognition. Okay, which one are you talking about? I'm talking about Ralph. Oh, okay. Gary, Gary, you're a normal, decent human being. You are never going to make any headway with Ralph. Oh, you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by a psychopath? I am not this? an idiot. Sociopath. Who is this, Dr. Seuss? No. This <laughs> whole thing to Howard as a guru and all the interns, all Ralph... Uh, John, Gary, Fred, Jackie, not Robin, Robin's special, but all of these people are the inner circle of this cult, and it's the Howard Stern cult. 
And Howard, you play him like a violin. It's beautiful. It's the best <laughs> entertainment of the 20th century. All right, let me let me let me uh, say something here, Ralph. Uh, disregarding even for a minute what the uh, this brilliant psychologist has said, and he's right. He's right on the money. Doctor Seuss. Um, do you feel? And I'm going to ask you a question because I got to get the friend. I'll ask you a question. Do, do you, you feel, feel? Do you feel that the United that States? You are, do you feel? States. You want a joke or you want to? Because you, you, you got a personality problem, pal. <laughs> lack of it. Do you feel? No, he's got too much of a personality. That you have a higher elevated position. If you were to put a map of the of the organization of this show, yes, do you feel you really have to answer to Gary? Do I feel I have to answer to Gary? In what respect? Okay, uh, I'll give you an answer. I'll give you a question. Gary comes to you and says, I don't want you in the air studio unless you ask me first. And then a day later, you walk into the studio disregarding everything Gary just said. Do you feel that he is in no, any way... That is not right to do. It's not right. Have you done that? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I've then, apologized for it. Okay. And I don't do that anymore. Hey, well, you're not here often enough, but you apologize for it. You did it several times, not just once. Okay, so that was that. There's that, and then I actually w decided to go a little further and get into the reading of it. And this is what it says. Um, symptoms of antisocial personality disorder include repeatedly ignoring wrong and right, telling lies to take advantage of others, not Check. being sensitive to or respectful of others, using Check. charm or wit to manipulate others for personal gain or pleasure, having a sense of superiority and being extremely opinionated, mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, having problems with the law, including criminal behavior, drug mm -hmm. dealing, anybody? Okay. Oh, he, he hit a woman. Yes. He, um... At scores, I believe it was. Yeah, I mean, just lying and the drugs, everything. Yep. Being hostile, aggressive, violent, or threatening to others, feeling no guilt about harming others, doing dangerous things with no regard for the safety of self or others, drug taking, booze, getting completely blotto. He was found passed out on a Manhattan street by not only Robin, but Mary Delabate, Delabate when they were driving around that day mm -hmm. after a night out at the club. And this one made me laugh. Being irresponsible and failing to fulfill work or financial <laughs> responsibilities. <laughs> he mastered that. Yeah. Ben? No, I was going to say that that one is the one that, that most describes him, I think. Yes, absolutely. So we're going to go into the clips, guys, from the Wednesday show. And I found it that the reason why I found it odd was because if they know, like it's the, the the speculation that a lot of people are going on about is what, like, do they believe the story that Howard told? We're going to go through it and we're going to tell our thoughts on how we feel. And there, if if we if we are skeptical, and I certainly still am about the way things spo supposedly went down in terms of the cause of death, it's because listen to the show. You've got a host that has lied about everything his entire life and a co-host who's lied in two books, not one, but two, and not just about the books, but then later on about the promotion of the book, saying she was a vegan when she was promoting it, even though she was eating meat at the time. Um, they've lied about plastic surgeries. They've lied about, you know, they have canned collars. They have uh, bits that they've sorted out. They had an executive producer, uh, uh, what's his name, um, Casey, who used to arrange for harry the electric eel to put in yep. fake calls mm -hmm. so and, and and then you've got ralph ralph's history of drug use drug dealing <laughs> not just drug use and and then you you're expected to just take this story as truth and and people have problems do, uh, you know believing it you you have to you can't not understand where that comes from raven well when howard when they 
showed the video of Howard reading his eulogy, literally reading it off of yes, paper we've with got no that emotion, Yes, completely deadpan. It, it just was, it was almost sociopathic the way he was doing it, but it was so prepared in advance so that he didn't go off script that it just made me wonder why. Why, after 40 years of knowing this guy, couldn't you just speak from the heart or whatever tiny piece of it resembles yeah. that in him and just go from there? But he, he got his story wrong. There were facts Robin had to correct him on. It just was very sketchy the way he presented this first thing in the morning and for the next like two and a half hours. It went on for almost the whole day. Yes, and in fact, I, Ben, I've got the I've got the video actually. If you'd like to see some of it, because there's a horrible, a horrendous edit, um, in which you you see the script and then you don't see the script. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, and, and let me just see if I can. That, I'll, that, I'll, that I'll, floor, I'll cue it up. That floor is the Florida house, right? Uh, yeah. It no. Is. Isn't no. it? That's no. That's the Hamptons house. Okay. So Robin okay, does well, wear a wig because she was photographed for people without the wig. That's right. She went back to the wig for the show. Yes. And the Harry Carey glasses. Oh, she's wearing yep. the Larry King glasses there. Okay. Okay. So I'm just going to play a little of this, um, and then uh, just about it's going to it's going to duplicate some of the 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 audio we're going to play. But here we go anyway. So keep keep an eye on the camera angle. So here's the main camera angle, but then all of a sudden you're going to see it switch from the script position, and then a carefully curated but bad edit of where the it, they hide the script again. And I needed to look like Larry King or something like that, and Ralph would make these elaborate prosthetics and i said you are so talented and that was the beginning of our friendship i remember i'm, I'm sitting there on the channel line show he goes you don't look that good on air like maybe you should grow your hair out a little bit or but. did you, you you caught that yeah you can see it did, did, did you catch the edit of the script so, that he's holding oh there, there it is. Okay, yeah right there's the script right. and suddenly it goes away yeah right script script and also even if you just go through like uh let me just get back to the uh the original part here um just if anybody wants to see you can clearly tell he's reading like just look at him here he's go he's he's on he's his eyes are downward he's just reading off his script i didn't need to see the actual script to know that he was reading correct so you think somebody in the back office wrote this for him the script well someone put it together he had he needed notes for this so it was clearly something essential he absolutely could not do this without reading and someone would say well someone would argue oh well you know he had he was emotional there's no emotion in his reading mm -mm, none none like it's it's completely it's deadpan i mean he, it's the one of the worst things i've ever seen if that's the case like if, if you need if you're at a funeral you're you're giving a eulogy at an actual funeral and you tear up yes of course people have notes but he said this like he was doing a shitty read for squatty potty or something raven this was this was maybe less a little less than 24 hours after ralph passed and he found out because he said he found out in the right after the show tuesday yes. so here it is, 7 a.m. Wednesday, no emotion, no, like, choking up, nothing. Complete deadpan. Mm -hmm. Just, you, okay, sadness, yeah, something, but it just, there, there's, like, a solemnness about him. But he just doesn't, he's not, he's not all there. Something, like, something's up. Something's no, going on in his head. He's worried, he's thinking about something else, 
when he's doing this. It's strange. So I'll just play a little of it for you right here, just so you can look at him, uh, Ben. And then yep. we're going to play go into the real audio because this is it. Yeah, like I said, it's duplication, but they this one's heavily edited. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin with this horrible story and how sad I am. But uh, my dear, dear friend Ralph. Ralph, of course, who calls into the show all the time, and Ralph, who has been at my side for so many years, has died. And I tell you, um, it's going to be difficult <laughs> for me to get through this obituary, if you will. But it's it sounds like it's it's comedic. It's it's nonsense. I didn't believe. I didn't believe for a second that he was choked up because we've been doing narcissistic personality disorder episodes for so long and we were firmly convinced he has it. He's gone on the air saying he has it. And what people seem to forget is that narcissists don't have emotions like we have emotions. They don't feel sad. They don't feel empathy. The only reason he would feel anything up if he was upset, it would be about what it did to him. Like what it's going to, what burden it's going to be for me. And that's what he talks about later on in the audio, his burden of Ralph's death and his life. He, he's, he says he's angry at Ralph. Yeah. He's angry. <laughs> he's yeah. resentful because now he's got all this work to do around Ralph's death. You got it. Uh, ben? Yeah. Also, it's just odd that he takes the same descriptor that, that, Stamos uses my dear friend, and he starts off my dear dear friend. It, uh, of all the words you could choose to describe the person you've known for nearly forty years, who's accompanied you to everything, uh, my dear, you that's the, you just choose the same word that Stamos used. That's that's lazy. Well, the other thing is, uh, like, just like if this happened to you, a friend of so many years dies and you're that close to them and spent so much time with them and we know they spent loads of time together we'll oh, get yeah. into what the daughters feel about it too wouldn't you take a, a mental health day right absolutely yeah. uh yeah i mean if you were I, able I, to in, in his position he could easily tell them no I'll, I'll make up this day next year or something like that because and i'll pay off whatever the the live reads we, we have to do because i need time off he had the money to do it he had the cl enough clout to say i'll make up this day but i can't do today if it really broke him up oh, okay. uh, well I mean, he's got he's probably got what three days left for the entire year this he's not going to work four days next week so, i think this may be the last i think wednesday was the oh, last day of the year <laughs> you know he he owes them and he's not going to do it on another day well Raven? that was his 95th show for the year yeah. and that's how many shows he did last year Next week, they're talking about the Howard 100, the top 100 people that influenced the show. And then they have another day with musicians doing some kind of tribute, I don't even know what, to their favorite music or something. It just sounds like it might be pre-recorded bullshit that may count as a show, but pre-recorded where he doesn't have to come in and physically do a show. Yep. So the go first downstairs, clip is, sorry. No worries. The first clip is called Can Sorrow. Uh, I had a horrible day yesterday, and I'll tell you why. And many of you might know this. Uh, uh, be prepared to have your head brought down by me today. And because uh, I don't even know where to begin with this horrible story and how sad I am. But uh, my dear, dear friend, Ralph, Ralph, of course, who calls into the show all the time. And Ralph, who has been at my side for so many years, has died. And I tell you, um, it's going to be difficult for me to get through this eulogy, this obituary, if you will. But uh, 
I just have been so sad and so angry. Uh-huh. And uh, I, it sounds like a wrestling promo. Okay, Ken Patera is on like Mike. He goes, I am so upset. It's like you don't get this sense of, you know, you'd expect someone to be in tears, like crying, giving a you like you've seen Tom Hanks at Michael Clark Duncan's funeral or uh, and yes, actors are good at, you know, what affecting how they feel. But you can't really bullshit when you're really upset. And he's just doing like a human impersonation of what it would be like to be mournful. Right. This is the product of 25 years of intense psychotherapy. That's right. So he's just using words that his therapist would approve of, I guess, but not the emotions that should should accompany those words. And and also, wouldn't you be able to sk- speak off script, es- especially you've been broadcasting how many years, and this is a person you've known that long? You really need a piece of paper to give you the direction of where you're going to go with this? <laughs> yeah. Raven? I'm just thinking that because of the pandemic and the three years, almost four years now, in March that he has withdrawn from Robin and Ralph. Yeah. Ralph wasn't even allowed in his house. So he, he probably doesn't even connect with Ralph the way he used to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's been so distanced from him and this, you know, is even harder. Cause he, not that he can feel guilt, but he, probably knows that he should because he hasn't been in his life like he used to be there for so long. And there's so many words to, you know, cohort, companion. Um, uh, he called him a gatekeeper in a later clip. And yep. dear, dear friend was all he could come up with. It's just, <laughs> You're right. It's so strange. And, and there's no emotion whatsoever. And, and I, I think that I think that there's a there's a duality here of emotion where he thinks I just got a raise. I don't have to pay Ralph's salary anymore. I don't have to oh. pay. I mean, really, seriously, he does. I think he felt the same thing when his dad died. I just got more disposable income because yes. I don't have to pay that anymore. So, you know, he's torn. I think you're, I, I absolutely agree with that. And Beth, too, is probably happy because now she'll have a larger stake in the fortune. There's one less person in the plan oh, or yeah. in the will, whatever he has you know, uh, trust set up or whatever. So, yeah. And I'm sure everyone thought this, but the relief he must have felt that there's no tell-all coming out now. I can say that with certainty. There's no tell-all when the money train stops rolling his way. Um, you know, that's one less one less person he has to worry about. Uh, Sam and I talked about this a little bit in the recent recording we did because Sam was going to make it to this one and then she decided it was uh, not going to be feasible and said it'll you know be too many voices as well probably so she just you know will will take a pass and let us handle it she can trust us and um, but we talked about a little bit about you know people expressing sorrow and all this like talk, waxing poetic about what they thought about Ralph and I think mostly what people are upset about is reminding them of, them of their own mortality first of all second of well, it's a part of a show that they did listen to, so they're sort of conflating the joy they got from the show and so a part, so somebody who's a huge part of the show now being gone. Suddenly, if it had been a long protracted illness, I think they wouldn't have been so upset at, at all. But I, I, it, it makes me think: Were you listening to the same show all these years? This guy was a complete cockroach. Mm-hmm. And I did a deep dive on the staff and their Twitter accounts, 
And it was it was shocking how few people posted about Ralph on their Twitter on their Twitter. Mm-hmm. JD and Benji. No Sal, no Richard, no Gary. You think they were uh, told not to? No, I think personally they were probably happy that he was gone. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we're going to play reams of audio going further, and I'll play a little more of this, and then we'll go to the next clip, because I don't know if we need to go through three, the full three minutes of it. I think this is the toughest part of loving someone <laughs> when you lose them. And uh, Lord knows I loved Ralph. And the reason, you know, over the years, so many of you who listen to the show, and I know this is a shock to many uh, fans out there who either follow Ralph on Instagram or you know, have just listened to the show and Ralph's been part of the show and Ralph, some people hated him, some people loved him. And that's what makes good radio. That's why I always loved when Ralph would call in. But aside from on the air, I've been friends with Ralph. Uh, I'm bad with, with math and I'm bad with years and remembering. But I know when Ralph graduated high school, I was on the radio at WNBC. So he's going to go into it. And we just explained about how the real timeline went. Basically, it goes first call in um, to, uh, you know, his, he and his mother called in. Uh, well, it, it was 1985. Then he helped out uh, design the talking aforementioned talking penis at the uh, Felt Forum. Then when the Channel 9 show comes in, he used to talk about it. and it, He was free labor. <laughs> yeah, that's why Howard liked him. You work for free. <laughs> so but here's the one thing I wanted to play, because let me just cue it up. Here's audio, guys, of uh, Ralph's first call into the show, and I can include it because of uh, a little throwaway line Ralph has at some point uh, where he mentions he was on Letterman. But then in the Howard's eulogy, he mentions, I didn't even know he was on Letterman. And it was the first thing he ever heard from Ralph. One of the first things. Can you play the new uh, Connie Francis Christmas song? You want to hear it again? Yeah, my mother didn't hear it. She loves Connie Francis. Oh, Well, she listening now? Yeah. Where is she? Is she there? Yeah, she's in the other room making cookies. She doesn't believe I'm on the phone. It's okay. Here, I'll play it for her, but then I want her reaction to it. You want her reaction to it? Yeah. You want to talk to her? Yeah, sure. Hold on. Howard Stern. Who's this? Hi, how are you, darling? This is Howard Stern? Yeah. What did my son say? That I like Connie Francis? Yeah, do you like Connie Francis? Oh, God, no. She's not a singer. She's not an entertainer. Oh, you don't like her? No, not at all. Oh, I thought you wanted to hear the Christmas song. But what Christmas song is that? The Connie Francis Christmas song? Oh, maybe I'd like to hear that. Oh, all right. Hold on. We can play it for you. Yeah, okay. Do you want... Here we go. I know what you got to do. You got to turn up your radio. Okay. And I'll, and I'll have to put you on hold. Howard. Yeah. Listen, I was on David Letterman, too. <laughs> so there. That, that's the, the, yeah. one of the first things this guy that spent all this time with you, you would have that ingrained in your brain because it's a first. You would remember that, I think. He actually comes back to it later in the call. Yes, he does. Says, I was in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. So the next clip is called I Wish I Knew How to Quit You. You know, we, we just had we had a great chemistry and we had a great friendship. And Ralph was one of my bros. And in fact, I. I came to think of Ralph as family. Ralph was there uh, early on in my career in New York, and uh, he'd be in my home. There weren't too many people I had over in my home, but Ralph would hang with me. We'd watch television together. This is this is where you get that grooming, like, creepy vibe, don't you, Ben? You know, one of the only other people he had to his home was Richard Simmons. 
<laughs> it's true. He named his dog his daughter after Richard Simmons' dog. Ashley. Yes, that that's it's, true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird who he selects out of all men who he'd like to bring over to his house. Yeah. And uh, we we developed a very strong friendship. And I know a lot of people. You say to me, why are you friends with Ralph? Ralph's not um, worthy of your friendship. And I'd say, what are you talking about? Ralph's Ralph's my friend. I just enjoy him. You can't explain friendship. I enjoy him. Uh, there mm -hmm. were days we'd call each other on the phone or be together in person and, and spend hours talking as George Takei. <laughs> so you spend oh. hours of your time with an admitted bisexual talking about a gay Asian Star Trek actor for three hours, talking mm -hmm. like him. Talking as George Takei. So you know what they're right. talking about as George Takei. And right. And the only time you do that is when you're like a teenager and you're allowed, you're discovering phone calling. You know, you really, I said like a five-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, you don't use the phone, but suddenly you're a teenager and you discover there is a phone and yes, you can't get off of it, but he's 30 something. <laughs> oh yeah. And Ralph was definitely his escape to the lost boys, you know, leaving adulthood, <laughs> running down to the basement, locking the door behind him, making sure he's got the camera set up if anyone comes near it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they could watch Beavis and Butthead together in the grind and, and uh, you know, amuse one another. Yep. Well, I, I something I realized when I was on my hiatus was that when Howard went to BU, he called it the uh, 13th grade, like, because he had to retake high school classes. Right. So sure. that just cemented his arrested development in his high school years. He never mm -hmm. got out of that. That was where he'll forever be uh, mentally. Yep. And and then you add all the of this decades of revenge fantasies. Like every time a celeb comes in, did you ever go feel like going back to your high school reunion and showing them like what what a big like he has this cinematic idea of you're going to come in and the doors will fly open and thunder and lightning will you know and spotlights will be on you and wind machines and whatever and like this this revenge fantasy about going back to show up people. I remember there's a famous story about Janis Joplin when she became big and went back to Port Arthur, Texas to her reunion but she um she flew in like she paid for a helicopter to, to helicopter to drop her in mm -hmm. and um and that she went in and it was she got drunk because what what happened ultimately she was trying to show off to people but she got so self-conscious she ended up using what she does best and she drinking and and getting blotto and make kind of made a fool of herself as a fact and um she had that constant complex of never being good enough back in the day so he's the same like he's got yeah. that like perpetual i've never been able to get out of high school and or get over the fact that i was just a, a nobody yeah if you remember in the 80s he actually made himself a prize date to a high school prom yes and so here he is you know like in his late 20s early 30s wherever and he still is fantasizing about being the popular one at the prom you know that's yes. what Beth as well. Like this is my ticket to the popular prom girl. Yes, she was a former. She was the Fox Chapel High prom queen who got who got wrecked <laughs> right. at the prom. Okay. Homecoming queen. Yeah. She um Howard actually had his prom with the Goo Goo Dolls gay dance party. That's right. That was his prom. <laughs> his real one. That's a great one. And I Next still time. say you'll never see him looking happier than he does in that video. I love that video that you made. Um, the next one's called "He's Not Heavy, He's My Burden." Being friends with Ralph for me was very challenging at times because I became very angry with Ralph, as I still am. I'm, I'm experiencing great sadness and great anger because Ralph 
his kryptonite was he didn't take care of himself. And a lot of that pressure fell on me. A couple of years ago, I had begged Ralph. I said, Ralph, you have to have health insurance. And he was playing a game of Russian roulette. He was not getting himself his uh, health insurance. And I. Okay, now this is this is where it gets problematic. Now, here's what I understood from the agent for the original series contract. Ralph was one of about nine people contracted to work for one one twelve productions. That's right. It doesn't say anything about providing health care to these employees. So I chatted a little bit with um, Richie, Richie Wilson. I don't think he'll mind me saying this. And he said he always had him written into whatever project he was doing. And ostensibly it was so that they could pick up the tab for any kind of health insurance because Howard wasn't going to fucking provide it. So when he was at uh, in demand, like the Howard TV, he was a Howard TV member. We're going to play a clip of Doug getting pissed off because he's supposed to be an employee of Howard TV. But he takes three weeks off to go to California and doesn't run it by uh, Doug and just assumes that Howard's going to be okay with it. And I'm sure it was a matter of, look, I'm the boss's girlfriend. I can do what I want, and I'm not really a worker there. But he was on the books as an employee, and I'm sure that was to get health insurance. Richie said in-demand provided health insurance for them. When he was at AGT, he had him on the payroll there obviously as a stylist, but also to get him health insurance. But he was too cheap to provide health insurance to his fucking long-term, you know, like boober that's that's this is the kind of eulogy you're not talking about these the, the, you hit all the points i was going to say especially with agt and it isn't it funny that like robin and ralph both overlook their health and doctors and just regular checkups and then you know we know what happened to robin and now we see with ralph that uh, uh according to howard it was a lymphoma that metastasized beyond you know repair in this case well no he said he said he died on the operating table and that it was curable and treatable but that we like again i don't i i looked it up there's a reuters there's a reuters article that i referenced that that i that i found in the last year actually and they did a study of forty thousand cases of people who died after surgery and only less than one percent of those 40,000 died on the operating table. The rest died in recovery. Uh, when they went home, something else happened. Right. So Close it was off. very, and it just, it didn't make sense the way he explains it, which you're going to yeah. hear. If if Howard is our, is our only source of how it right. happened, then take it with a grain of salt. He, he gets my, everything wrong. Right. And so people are vehemently like that. that the, now here's, here's the flip side. There are people on the way and the building seven, you know, uh, area 51 crowd that are saying he was Epstein. And I am, I'm, I'm going to just, I have to just address it because if we were not, we're nobody if we don't, but I'm going to say this, only this, and Sam and I both are in, in agreement on this. I don't believe somebody killed Ralph to keep him silent. I don't believe that. Um, however, Given the the seediness of their relationship, it it you you could see how people could think that, but that's too extreme. Do I think that Howard is beyond uh, wanting to do that to people? No, of course not. He's just afraid of the consequences of getting caught as be, you know right. being rubbing someone out or helping someone get liquidated uh, because of his own thing. Like if it wasn't for that, he would have no problems getting rid of Ralph. Raven? Well, I I have been texting you this week that. I'm 50-50 on this story. A part of me thinks that Ralph may have overdosed. Yep. And being that he's been doing drugs for 40-plus years and booze heavily on a regular mm-hmm. basis, mm-hmm. that that 
may he may have gotten a bad batch of drugs if he hasn't been in touch with Howard and in a de- state of depression, which he admitted um, like two years ago that he was trying to quit cigarettes and he was on Wellbutrin. He was also um, fighting with Chris Wilding. So he had lost some of his connections to the show and he was not being invited. I know when they mentioned about COVID starting, he used to do happy hours for hours, like five, six hours of drinking online with the staff. But I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. There's a 50, 50 chance that he, something did go bad during the procedure, a proceed, a surgical procedure. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was lymphoma related, but the fact that he had so many years of hard drugs and alcohol that I think was his ultimate downfall was whether it was an OD or on the operating table that his heart gave out, that his, right. his system just could not withstand whatever um, trauma it was going through during whatever well, procedure they're discussing. Right. Well, Stamos mentioned about how he thought he was, he was in great shape or whatever, but you just externally you could be in great shape, but internally you could be falling apart. And he, 50, 50s is the age range for people with heart addiction to pop off. I've known at least three or four people now that have died out of for pure alcohol reasons in their like mid to early 50s. And they're all men and they're all, none of them were really in horrific shape in terms of like being super obese or anything. They were just normal physique guys, but then they just abused them to their liver and their internal organs through drinking so many years. Yeah. And I even sent you an article that uh, shows a a huge relation between lymphoma and drug and alcohol abuse. Mm -hmm. And it increases your chances of getting it like 40 or 50%. So there's that too. So uh, Ben? Uh, also, one thing, Ben, I gave you, got you, you and Raven, I gave you both our audio of the breakdown we had just recorded the day this was all happening. And it mm. was based on the October 3rd. It wasn't, uh, Ralph was not in studio, but they were talking about him and shitting about, shitting him, shitting on him. Sorry. Well, they were talking really poorly about him. Uh, and I'm sure that weighs on uh, Wilding, and that's for sure. What's your take on that, Ben? No, I, uh, just initially, I, I, maybe I'm the only one who thought this, but when I saw that Ralph died, I, my first thought was that it was AIDS. And, uh, <laughs> okay. And, yeah, and I, and I, I, you know, I have no idea uh, how far off the mark I am because we're relying on Howard telling us this story, and he right. went straight to uh, Doctor Agus, uh, um, plagiarist. Yeah. So, um, but as far as the Chris Wilding conversation you're talking about, yeah. yeah. Um, my my only time, I, Chris, I had not heard Chris in over a year, and I just thought. You would think the way he's talking that this was a six foot. This was Chuck Zito, the way he speaks, yeah. like he's like he's going to go kick somebody's ass, and here he's like you know 140 pound, five foot four twink. Yeah, um, that was my big take. He's just how badass he thinks he is now. Right, Raven. Uh, I I was impressed. It was kind of haunting too the way you and Sam were discussing. Ralph, you know, and, and we don't talk about Ralph in breakdowns typically. No. He, he rarely comes up because he's rarely on the show, which, yeah. again, leads me down the road of depression um, and drugs but yeah. and booze. Uh, AIDS did cross my mind, Ben. I, yeah. I'll be I honest. Think, I think if you know a little bit about Ralph, it has to cross your mind. Absolutely. He's well, irresponsible. Yes. Well, our take was that, you know, he maybe you know, the, the reason why suicide was completely feasible was because you can tell he's getting marginalized since the pandemic and before, and that you get the sense that Wilding has been um, 
replacing Ralph right. completely as a, a younger Ralph, but someone who can actually do impressions and be responsible for getting bits on the air. I mean, people scoff, but that what Howard needs more than anything is content now. And if Wilding's a source of that content and he's gay and willing to talk about it and maybe to blow the boss once in a while or provide like little twink cam shows for him from, mm -hmm. you know, like in his from his for his basement, then why wouldn't you go with Wilding over Ralph, who's aged himself out and is irresponsible and you just he's got too many skeletons that he's holding on to anyway. You can start afresh, Raven. Yeah. Uh Wilding is, I think, 34 or 35, so he's half Howard's age. He's a newer, younger model, and yep. he does funny voices, which Howard loves, whether they're, whether you think they're good or not, it, it, regardless. Yep. But it's what Howard likes, and I trust nothing that Howard says about the Ralph story of how he died. I'm looking way deeper, every other avenue but what he's telling me, because I right. know and it's the not true. And later on, there's a story Robin tells about, uh, and I didn't clip it, but basically she says, oh, the last messages I got from Ralph were, you know, oh, you did the lemon drink. I started doing the lemon drink. You got into whatever it was, then I did it, and then you got cancer. Now I got cancer. And what's next? As, as, as if it was a joke. And I, it's it's a little hard to to believe that. It's not hard, but it's it's a little cold to believe that Robin would go along with the narrative. But then you, this is a woman who made like she was in studio for a year after having cancer, even though even though they'd already announced it on the air that she went through the surgery. But they made through like made it like she was in studio and told the guests actively. She admitted this. Uh, she got this out of uh, Wendy Williams when she went on her show first time back. And Wendy said, we were told to make like you were in studio by Gary. And and how are you? And she and she she didn't refute it. I was like, well, why would you do this for a year? Act like you know the sky is not falling um, when it was. And so this is where people get skeptical about everything. So anybody sure. who decides to take the official narrative as as gospel, you know, is living in cuckoo land. Sorry, that's the way I feel. Agreed. I did everything I could to convince him, uh, including, well. I won't go into it, but Ralph did eventually get health insurance, but it became a burden. And I said to him, Ralph, you're burdening me with the responsibility of taking care of you. And I'm I'm and that's not fair as a friend. And so he did get health insurance, but Ralph. Uh, you know, I'd say, Ralph, you have to take care of yourself. And what ended up happening was Ralph developed an illness, but I really feel he got involved a little too late because the illness he got was curable and was treatable. But he had some complications of waiting too long, and I got very upset with him. I, 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 this, I was not ready for Ralph to go. I was not expecting Ralph to die. This is just mind-blowing to me. If anything, we used to joke that uh, I said, Ralph, you, you, you know, you're going to be around when I'm gone. Like, this sounds like a guy who was not remotely bothered by the passing of anybody. No. No, no that doesn't sound like a joke. Ralph, no. uh, you're going to be around long after I die. That's, yeah, you're, he's a lot younger than you are. Yeah. It's not really that funny. No. Raven? You know, this is all coming from a man who spends half his days going to doctors, talking to Dr. Agus, mm -hmm. constantly being, you know, a nebbish that's worrying, um, you know, that he's always sick. Always got something wrong. He sees allegedly a therapist two or three times a week, and it, his life revolves around these these tests and cancer scares, 
all the stuff that he's got to be the victim of, always looking for something. Um, the stones he claims to have blasted out of his bladder not too long ago. Right. I, I, and it's funny because I, you know, I read a Beth fan page that says maybe it was just another cosmetic procedure, getting pulled back, getting um, some of that nose shaved off or getting lipo, whatever it is. The bags around his eyes are ridiculous. If you could. Yeah. If, oh, my God. If you ever zoom in on them on a video, they're terrible. No wonder he can't see. But he's got he so al- many health issues. So yeah, whatever. when he allows you to, when he allows those sunglasses to get surgically, you know, removed from his eyes, yeah, from his head, absolutely. Uh, the next one is trust being the operative word. And I have to say, so many times, especially when things would just be going haywire in my life, I would call Ralph, and Ralph would comfort me. <laughs> there were times he was a great cheerleader. He would say to me, man, oh, that interview you did, I loved it so much. Or he'd look at one of my paintings. Wow, I can't believe what you're doing. He he was just someone who really loved me. I felt it genuinely he loved me. All the Howard Stern fame bullshit aside, I felt the guy had a genuine affection for me. And, you know, I've detailed over the years all of Ralph's fuck-ups and this and that. But the, the bottom line is Ralph was a trustworthy dear friend who made me laugh every time I was with him and 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 the trust and the uh, admiration we had for each other was genuine so it's really just about I could trust him with my secrets that that keeps coming out loyalty trust first him. not about how much you love the person how much you're gonna miss how funny they were and t- talking them up it's he was a burden he I trusted him with my secrets and you know and that's about it like he was useful to me. He comforted me. <laughs> it's not about we had great times together. It was I used him like a, you know, whatever. This this totally brought up the picture in my head of them on his private jet. And they're looking yeah. lovingly into each yes. other's eyes. Yeah. Like right there, that's that's the closest Howard will get to love in his mm-hmm. lifetime. And, yep. you know, the the fact that Ralph was the keeper of his secrets and now he also buttered him up right he was licking his balls constantly so who's going to do that now is is beth capable of that no i don't think so breath beth barely has two brain cells yes to rub together well i think part of the passive aggressive little cockadoodle do instagram from post from from beth might also have to do with the fact that now she's pissed she has to bear the brunt of howard's npd and oh, ralph's no longer sure. there to help take some of the burden or for her to commiserate with because they were both you know in 1112 employees you know and bingo you know, absolutely yeah. ben yeah i also think that the basis of their friendship was very mean girl. I mean, it was mainly just to mock other people, to scorn at other people, to sneer at other people, um, you know, to uh, to be you know, imitate other people and so on. But you know, between whether it's Ralph imitating Howard's father or they're imitating George Takei or they're doing Howard's taking off his pants and doing underwear shows for, for Ralph. But I don't think that they had anything genuine, really. If they weren't being superior to other people, they really didn't have anything else to talk about. No, the world was they were they were putting a laser pointer on the world. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And that like that was that was a microcosm for what their relation and it was all transactional It's what you can get from me, what I can get from you. And Ralph being we're going to go into the Sam Simon stuff. I really got to we got to go through these clips quickly. So but just to get to some of them and, and the, all the, the key ones. So the next one is called the party line. But literally, I spoke with Ralph the night before he died. He was in he was admitted into the hospital. 
and he was a very in a very um let's say emotional state and he told me he was embarrassed that he was emotional in front of me and i said ralph i'm your friend i'm your buddy you go ahead and you you cry because you're in a you're in a tough situation you've been given a tough diagnosis but we're going to get through this Okay, so he said he called him, and then he said he was in front of him. Which is it? Were you in person or were you on the phone? I'm so confused. I also want to say about the hypochondriac that Howard is. You know, he's wrong 99% of the time. He only latches on to the 1% of the time where, you know, he used to talk about his mother who would say, oh, you're you're sick because you didn't take care of yourself. You know, it's your, basically it's your fault. You didn't get enough sleep. You did, you're doing too many things in a day or whatever. And he would complain that she would always blame it's your fault that you got sick. Now, he can take every precaution there is and he'll still get COVID. He can take, he can take every, um, you know, he, he can pride himself at how much safer he is than everyone else. And he's wrong, 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 wrong. And he's finally right once. And that's where he gets to celebrate. You know, I told him he should have listened to me. Uh, anyway, well, that's there's a little bit of gloating, I think, going on. Mm-hmm. One other one other aspect of the whole the, the the conspiratorial stuff, like like he might have OD'd, for example, is the way Stamos worded that post that he died alone, and yet Howard's saying he died on the operating table, which is hardly alone. It's not like the, the you know the doctors went off to go get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich while Ralph bled out. It it, it doesn't make sense. The only the wording he died alone. Johnny Carson had two surviving sons and was married at the time when he died, and he died alone. Nobody was by his bedside. That's the way he wanted it. You don't use that terminology unless someone literally died alone on a right. floor, wherever, in a bed, somewhere, like Paul Lind, <laughs> you know, and uh, my the patron saint of QF, along with Judy Garland. And so, it, like, it, it, you know, if you, it, you could metaphorically say, okay, yeah, yeah, he meant no, he died without someone in his life to help him. Okay, sure. I see that, too. I get that. But again, the word usage is important. Like like the 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 phrasing of certain things lends one to believe that leads one to believe a, a certain line of thinking. Ben, well, I also think he literally died alone because it was totally unexpected, wasn't it? A heart attack during or or, or recovering from. So it yeah. wasn't like he was dying. You know, he was. It, it was. Uh, I thought it was a procedural thing, and it just happened to be that he had a heart attack. But I kind of laughed at. Samos wishing that there was someone whose heart was broken and was crying that Ralph died, and there isn't that person. It's it's almost like you wish that there was someone uh, mourning right now. <laughs> Why? Yeah. I mean, right. Ralph didn't want or deserve to have someone mourn for him. No. no, and then those of us who think are we're being too hard, I suggest you uh, check yourself and listen to the show again because most people hated his guts. It's only now if some of them are being paid to to mourn him on the on the air, that doesn't mean they're really mourning him. No, yeah. they were just, going through the motions. Yeah, yeah. Just from what I'm hearing so far, you know, and it's it's Howard, so of course it's all going to sound stilted. Yep. And even even Stamos kind of raced for ways to humanize Ralph, and it was like, oh. You, it was roasting him kind of um, because he's not really a kind of a person that you would see as uh, lovable. You know, yeah. he's, he's very mean, nasty, thinks he's superior, thinks his 112 IQ is 30, 40 points higher than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it was just a rotten kind of a person. Yeah. Not a person you'd want around you at any length. You wouldn't trust and, him with anything. And who would be laughing hysterically if this was you that it happened, that, that this had happened to. 
Absolutely. Correct. He was irresponsible. He, he, you couldn't count on him for anything. He was, he was somebody that he was a joke to other people, but he had more power than those people. So mm-hmm. all, all they could do was just kind of turn the other way and, you know, let whatever happen because he was the boss's girlfriend. Yep. Yeah. Don't worry, man. We're going to get you through this. I've already been in touch with doctors about your medical situation. I had it covered. And it calmed him down. But unfortunately, yesterday morning, they had to do a a, a procedure, a very common procedure on him. But uh, his heart gave out. So he, he's, he's gone. And uh, I'm going to miss Ralph terribly. And I, it's been a very tough day for me yesterday. And uh, I'm still feeling it. And the only thing we're missing now is the Jackie laugh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I hate to say it, but I mean, it just sounds, it's so insincere and I don't know anybody, I don't know how anybody listening to this, listening to it could actually get like choked up or feel any kind of emotion because, you know, we've been, we've been doing this now three going on four years. You think we don't know when he's full of crap. You've not seen the 60 minutes interview with Ed Bradley where he goes, oh yeah, I feel, I feel like I could have been more present for people. Uh, you know, you don't think that was a put on? Come on. Yeah, and you know the the heart attack could very well have been caused by the procedure, not the cancer. Right. Well, that's that's what the, they're suggesting that it happened as a result of in the process of he bled out or well, his heart. Right. Yeah, so, he's, you know the anesthesia or something. But hypochondriac Howard wants to blame him for uh, you know not having the insurance when the procedure likely caused this heart attack, triggered the heart attack. Yes, theoretically, if it happened this way. If it's, but, if it's anything like what he's telling us, yeah. Yeah, and so the other thing is, why would you f- why would you need to force health insurance on someone who should already be insured if you care – if you're a multi-fucking kajillionaire and this is what you're really going on about? Come on. Yeah, I, I don't could, see Howard actually knowing the status of Ralph's insurance or caring. No. That, and I, that, that's yeah. that's why people were saying this is what an awful eulogy. Why are you talking about this guy basically making him sound like he was penniless, but he was working for you? Don't you see how this makes you look, Raven? Well, that's just it. Howard's worried about how he's going to come off in all this. So he has to be the victim and the hero at the same time. He's the hero who got him the doc, got him in touch with doctors. Um He's the victim now, too, because he had to get him in touch with doctors. He had to make sure his insurance was was accessible. And Ralph didn't care. If Ralph cared enough, he would have done it. So shame on Ralph. Like, these, these are both grown-ass men that act like big old babies. Mm-hmm. He, they're both man-childs. I have no, 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 no sympathy, none. Right. And he's not only writing his, the, the eulogy for Ralph, he's writing what the press will say happened. And that is, you know, he's getting ahead of it right away mm-hmm. so that there are no fingers pointed at him. He's also throwing the curveball. I'm angry, which makes them go, oh, wow. OK, so he's got some complex emotions going on here. So, right. you know, a, a guy who should have been insuring his employee is angry. That means he couldn't possibly be responsible for the guy not having no. insurance. Oh. Right, because it was it was Ralph not getting uh, you know on 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 the ball and you know so filling out the forms he was required to or some nonsense, but he doesn't say that. And second of all, uh, the this is the other notion. This is the other bit of that 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 works. 
this is why I was so skeptical and still am, is it It sounds very much like the day after Dana Plato when they recorded that show, mm-hmm. trying to cover mm-hmm. their ass like she had a good time, she thanked us, all this stuff. And it was it sounded like like ass covering mode. This is what you know, this the, is the this yeah. is the, what I'm feeling when I'm hearing it. Right. And, and if this was something was on Howard's mind and he wanted to mock Ralph, don't you think this would have been a segment on the air a long time ago? Like Ralph doesn't even have insurance. That that sounds like something he would have brought up on the air so they could all make fun of him and laugh at him and bully him into getting insurance. Yep. Even? Nope, I'm good. Okay. And uh, last night was tough. And Beth wanted to come on the air and say a few words about Ralph because I don't want us to be completely maudlin. There's so many funny things about Ralph. But uh, Beth is doing something for his family today, which God bless her. She's an angel. She's um, mm. she got up at four o'clock this morning and is, is working with his family to make. But also, why aren't you involved? That's my whole point. I would have taken the day off, and why would have been hands on with this if this was my bro? Howard never said that Beth went to his apartment. That was assumed by tons of people. Yeah, that yeah. she had to go clean out the safe and get the videos and the Polaroids and the shoeboxes of yeah. memorabilia that he had. Right, right. She was bringing bringing the shredder and the SEAL team with uh, napalm to destroy everything and and go with the with the IT with Jeff Schick and go into the cloud and get, withdraw <laughs> all the videos and you know everything because that's the thing. Like Howard might be an idiot with this stuff, but Ralph was a tech guy. I don't I don't doubt there's a lot of Compromat out there on the iCloud that Ralph has somewhere. Yeah, I'm thinking that they want to get and bleach his phone, do everything that they can, you know, to to, mm-hmm. to get rid of any digital digital uh, trail that leads to yeah. Howard. Emails, everything. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, we were just. T- t- uh, I was re- going to reference the post that I found on Cormano. Got to give him full credit over at Reddit. He's a great, great poster. Very. Uh, I, again, uh, for the longest time, I thought he was Ben, but Ben says it's not him. It's not a pseudo account. He's uh, very astute with putting this stuff out there. He's. Uh, he said Ralph was not included in uh, the the employees uh, list for. Yeah, yeah. Basically, the pension plan. It said the pension was for Beth, this guy Michael Fox, who's the assistant to Howard's assistant Laura at the time. Howard has since got him a producing job on the show. Matthew Hansen, Howard's IT guy. I guess Jeff Schick's dead now. Laura Lacker, his personal assistant. Ellen Dunn, Howard's sister. Jeffrey Rivera, another IT guy. A guy named Richard Routh or Ruth. Um, Eric Sanders, who apparently. Howard has also ended up getting a job, getting a job on the show. Christopher Ventura, who I think is security. Ralph was self-employed, uh, self-employed independent contractor. That's what he listed as an occupation in political donations, either a self-employed designer, quote, or quote, stylist. As far as I'm aware, he also got work as a contractor for E and Howard TV as a set designer, lighting mishmash of crap that Howard could get him paid for without having to use his own money. Typical. (laughs) So it says here, he was probably hired at one point by Sirius to do bullshit contracting work. He wouldn't be eligible for a healthcare plan, though, since he wasn't an employee. Gary is another contractor who isn't an employee of Sirius XM. He signs his own deal through his production company, and he's talked about having to get his own health insurance. Um, so anyway, where, where that's concerned again, it's, it's, it would have been nothing for him to make sure Ralph was taken care of that way. Next clip guys is called, he was attentive to me. Right. But Ralph, you know, Ralph was great. Ralph was so attentive to me. He would be like, <laughs> if I went on Letterman, he goes, listen, your, your sock is showing and you can see leg, you can see your leg and it's not a good look. You know, he would, he. He cared about how I looked on camera. He would go to all my photo shoots with me when I used to be into that kind of thing. 
Uh, Ralph was with me every step of the way. And the three of us spent a lot of time together, Tony, Ralph, and myself. <laughs> All employees. Now, I know Ben was laughing because I know you were thinking of that uh, Che Guevara photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. Now, wait a minute. When he said at my photo shoots when I was into that thing, does he mean when he was the photographer? No, when when uh, Howard was getting shot. Pardon like me Rolling that. Stone. That's the same way of putting it when I was into that kind of thing. Um, well, yeah, you, the, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You were photographed when, when a magazine profiled you. Or when he first got to Sirius, he did a photo shoot. I think that was part of the Che Guevara or the gay Guevara. It was the same photographer. I can't remember her name offhand, but we did it during a, a freebie on pre Patreon. And um, it was the exact same photographer. She also did some of his uh, pay-per-view promo photos back in the day as well. And she was the one who got him into that Prince concert, that after hours, uh, that charity concert in, in, uh, in, in, in Manhattan. The funny thing that I always think of is the, how he had to play Eminem during his photo shoots yeah, to get I, into it. I thought of that as well. Yeah. Uh, the next one is called, Why Was Bowie the One to Tell You He Died? It was crazy. I didn't believe Ralph was gone. Uh, G Gary called me right after yesterday's show. And he said to me, I got this call from a woman claiming to be Ralph's sister. He goes, I don't know if it's real, but she's saying Ralph died. And my heart sank because in my, you know. Gary didn't know that Ralph was in the hospital. I, I Very few people knew. I told Robin. That was it. And um, so Gary said that. And I said, oh, shit. I said, Gary, hold on. Let me call Ralph's sister. Let me make sure this is legit. And then I started texting Ralph. I go, dude, are you there? And I called him a few times. No answer. I called uh, Lauren. Ralph's sister, and she was hysterical, crying. She loved Ralph very much, and she, she said, no, Howard, it's true. She told me what happened. I said, this is impossible. I have all his medical stuff lined up. I've got, I got, I, I'm sitting here. I got voicemails from him, you know, last night. So it happened this morning. And then I called Gary, and Gary was deeply upset and crying. And Okay, so, Raven, yeah, this is so, so odd. Well, there's two things, <clears throat> excuse me, that Howard would never in a million years give out his phone number to a hospital and be like next of kin or emergency contact. So yeah. it falls on the sister. The other thing is to get a hold of Howard, the sister couldn't even do that. If Howard's doing so much, why doesn't she have a direct line to Howard if this is so exactly. important? But mm -hmm. he's got the get smart 99 doors that you got to get through <laughs> just to reach him on the phone. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so we, we talked about how he's not seen Robin for years and he most likely hasn't seen Ralph throughout the pandemic and probably before. Oh, and we know sure. that. Yeah. So this the stuff in the summertime with uh, that we covered with uh, Ashley's wedding. Uh, if for those of you on the Patreon or not on Patreon, I want to find out the episodes are entitled uh, Marbles PTSD. And uh, he talked about how Ralph fucked up his tuxedo and he did it wrong and it wasn't folded correctly and blah, blah, blah. And it was just nonsense. And, uh, you know, was he there? You know, <laughs> he was in the garage <laughs> doing the work. He wouldn't let him in the house. Right. But then he complained that Ra or Ralph complained that Howard wasn't using air conditioning in the summer. <laughs> Okay, so he was about to pass out. But do you air condition your garage? I just don't. I, I don't get it. it, don't it you none have of it whole, adds up. Don't you have a whole wing of the mansion he could go in to use instead of a fucking garage? 
which I'm sure is luxurious, but it's not, if it's not air con, it doesn't matter if it looks like the Taj Mahal, um, you know, in the summertime. And <laughs> it's almost like a Pakistani sweatshop employee. <laughs> yes. So this is the next clip. Which I, I laughed at because um, this is called Dr. Plagiarist to the Rescue. Mm. It's, 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 I just, I said to you, I'm angry. And this is what happens. I get angry because I wanted him to take better care of himself. And he just, he's so stubborn. He won't listen to me. Well, I'm but angry Ralph, that he didn't tell us sooner that he had mm. a really big problem. Yeah. And he didn't get diagnosed until uh, he brought me into it. When he got diagnosed, then again, I have to thank my buddy, Dr. Regis, who was helping me every step mm -hmm. of the way with Ralph. I, I, I said, Dr. Regis, please help me because my friend's in deep trouble. Um, Ralph had like a rare lymphoma, which was, you know, but, but again, curable and treatable. It just, he, he got on it probably too late. Again, it just sounds what what first of all you start talking about his condition and this and that. What you dance around it, but you don't say the words. Then you say he had a rare kind of lymphoma. It just sounds bullshit to me. Like it sounds at work. The two of them are in on it. It's then and, and fuck it's scripted. We saw it. It's on a script. So why wouldn't they have something to say, guys? This is the party line. He did not die of fent a fentanyl overdose from eating a you know a, a calzone mixed with fentanyl. Uh, Raven, just it was a common procedure for a rare lymphoma, and. I, I just don't understand why he was, if he did all this for him, why was he not closer connected to the outcome? Yep. Why was Beth not yeah. put on it? Or just, it, it, it just, uh, it doesn't add up. None of it. And like Robin was in on it. She knew she was the only other person that knew, but again, it, it went to the sister and it, everything in, in this just is so cloudy for me. I don't get it. Ben. And he had just reassured Ralph that I, that he talked to the doctors, I guess, Agus, um, that this was going to be fine. So it's just weird that he would then go and say, you waited too long. I mean, just one day earlier, you said this was going to be fine. And now it's, oh, it's your fault. You waited too long. Hmm. Yeah. And th this next clip is is uh, James T. and I talked about this. He's another uh, associate of QF and he does the clipping and does a great job. So cheers, James, uh, for help sending me this one uh, just yesterday, actually. Uh, Tuesday, December 6th, Bullshit Cancer Scare. We Wig tells a big fat lie to promote Dr. Agus's new book. Speaking of doctors, our favorite doctor, the best doctor is Dr. Agus. I love this guy. I told you. There's nothing I wouldn't do for him. He saved my life. They were going to start giving me chemo, your hero. And Dr. Agus figured out, he goes, uh, your white blood cell count is all fucked up because you're eating fish. Go go get your mercury checked. Ugh. Oh, God. Is he say, did he say it just like that? That's an actual yeah. quote with the he had, belch and everything. <laughs> yeah, he, he had gas that day. <laughs> and he was ashamed. But look, he's human, too. He went, <laughs> <laughs> he went, you have to go get your mercury check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, he, it's a true story. He's, uh, listen, he's helped me a bunch of times with my different medical issues. But the most serious one was when I had this uh, terrible thing going on and they sent me over to Sloan Kettering. 
<laughs> okay, now this is <laughs> where James and I started laughing. Okay, he said, uh, "We're not we're we're not sure what's wrong with you, so we're just going to give you chemo to be safe." <laughs> yeah. What? Okay, so uh, first of all, so so this is what we we're, we're talking about. Um, okay. Um, I guarantee it's bullshit. First of all, nobody knows it's cancer until they open you up and see for themselves. The blood work can only reveal so much. Where did he go? Malpractice General Hospital in the Bronx. Uh, and I have quoted, oh yeah, if I was a betting man, I'd say that's cancer. Check out Sloan Kettering. They have a great brunch. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, it, and then I looked it up. The treatment that he, that he needed was called, um, for mercury poisoning is called chelation therapy. And basically, he saw, probably saw the CH and thought, okay, it's it's chemo because he's retarded. I don't buy it. First of all, when he says, this is a true story, that's <laughs> already a red flag. But they needed to – they don't put in chemicals when you have mercury poisoning. They need to take the metals out of your body. And that's what right. this is. It's like a sieve for the metals. Uh, ben? And this is separate from his other cancer scare that he used to promote the, the new book of interviews that he put out? Or is this the it. same – Cancer scare. No, this, this, this is different. This was mercury poisoning. Uh, like he thought he was, he basically had a, yeah, the white blood cell count. And, but he, and, I don't uh, recall the Sloan Kettering bullshit. And they were just going to just start uh, giving him chemotherapy without even right. investigating what the problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Without any blood tests or anything. And Agus, you know who else he credits for saving his life? Marcy Turk. Remember at the birthday show, he said, yep. Marcy Turk, you saved my life. He said the same thing about his therapist. It's it's meaning. It's a meaningless expression, right? Uh, that he that he uses. But you know, he's he's a hypochondriac and he's, you know, hyper melodramatic, so it means nothing. Well, how what big balls on this guy to say this in front of Robin, who had a grapefruit tumor removed from her, yeah. from her pelvis, yeah. and she has to sit there and listen to this constant like <laughs> cancer scare bullshit james oh. made me laugh hysterically he goes nothing like preventative chemotherapy that's right up there with michael jackson taking propofol for nappy time <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know uh, i wonder if robin is thinking to herself my body because of veganism was healthy enough to to recover from the surgery ralph's wasn't yes. because yeah. that's what she had to do to save her salvage her book before it came out when they stopped the presses had to acknowledge that she has cancer and throw in this little introduction, leaving in there the rest of the parts, the stuff where she mocks people who get cancer and think that's part of life. Yep. They had to throw this thing at the, at the beginning and she goes, uh, but I can still credit my being a vegetarian, vegan, because uh, I was able to bounce back. Yep. But uh, I, I had no idea that Agus had saved him yet again from another cancer. Mm. Yeah. Well, just keep in mind that Robin had to eat cheeseburgers at the end of her book tour for the education of Robin <laughs> because the doctor said she needed iron. <laughs> oh. Next one, guys, is called Death or No Death. We're going to DEFCON Fruit today. And and by the way, yes, Sal and Richard will blow each other today in honor of Ralph because Ralph would have loved oh, it. Oh, is that still going to happen? I wonder if gonna that happen. would be called off. No, no, no. I'm not calling that off, Robin. Because Ralph would have loved it. Ralph, you know, Ralph would be like, oh, get on with the show. Why Ralph absolutely. loved this show. Why would he love it if he was straight? No, he was an admitted bisexual at this point, but Howard could never let him be fully gay because then that would be connected to Howard. Not only that, it takes away content because we're going to go for the ultimate, for the upteenth time bullshitting about is he gay, is he not gay? When right. he admitted on the air, we'll play that audio later, um, that he is bisexual at the very least and most likely gay. 
But Howard has reassured us for decades there is no such thing as being bisexual. I've got those audio He's, clips too. He insists there is no such thing as bisexual. Mm-hmm. Dot, dot, uh, dot. Let, Therefore, I can't be bisexual, right, Robin? So that that's really where he's going with that. Give me one sec. I'll see if I have that clip. I know I, I, I uh, somewhere here. Uh, bisexual. Okay, it's not there, I, so I'll go into here. I just would find it incredulous that the, 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 the ally to the LGBT community doesn't believe in the B. Women still on the table? You said you're bisexual. Uh, yes, I haven't been with a, a woman in, in a while. But Could yes. you fall in oh, love no, with a woman? Could not you in fall a, in love with a woman? Not in a while, but uh, no, I don't think it would fall in love with a woman. It's just kind of a fun yeah. thing. Once This was from May of this year, guys. Uh, and oh, this, this is this year, huh? Yep, so here we go. It's in a while. Yeah, but I wouldn't say ne I don't, I never, I wouldn't say never. So there is true bisexuality, according to you. Yeah. Wow. I always think a person is one way or the other. I'm convinced of that. I don't believe someone's really bisexual. Really? My yeah. mom's my mom, she's like a little bit like that. Really? Okay, so that's as recent as that. But then I've got loads of clips where he believed it was curable and Sarno knows I've got tons of them actually, tons of clips. Yeah. That's what I was just gonna bring up was the Sarno and the magical thinking of wishing it away. Yep. Yeah. What evidence would he have that there is no such thing when he's talking to people who have had sex with both sexes? And he says, well, I just don't believe it. Um, let me see if that's I can get both. Uh, that's the extent of it. I just don't believe it. Well, yeah, Your Honor, I, I think there are other ones. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I'd like to present the 79 defense that none of his thinking adds up and his IQ is just ridiculously low. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, so here's I, I always I always bring it to he's in denial about himself. So yep. if I insist that there's no such thing as bisexual, then I can't possibly be bisexual. So, you know, I'm married to a woman, therefore I'm not bisexual. Yep. Right. And so here here's a here's a one about that. This is from February two thousand six. I heard Dr. Sarno on the news. Oh, did they interview him? Yeah. Oh great. Did he sound good? Because he's such a great guy. Yeah, he sounded great. Yeah. You got to read his book, Healing Back Pain and Mind-Body Connection, Dr. John Sarno. The guy's a freaking genius. I'm not kidding you. It's really important. Everybody read that. I may need him soon. We, yeah. were, we were joking on a wrap-up show the other day about how, you you know, you're so into Dr. John Sarno that you think he can cure almost anything. Uh, pretty much, Including, yeah. like, at one point, I think you insinuated that he might be able to cure you from being gay. <laughs> uh, I believe he could. You said he that doesn't that even once. know that he could no, do you that. You said that to yep, me once. I, I do believe This is it. something Dr. Sarno doesn't even know. Dr. Sarno doesn't even understand. So do you think that's an illness, being gay? That's the funny part. No, it's not it. an illness, but there, it, there are de it's a deeper psychological issue than you would imagine. Because okay. you, I know people go, well, I was five years old and I was gay. Well, let me tell you something. You could be five years old and be OCD. You could be a lot of different things. <laughs> mm -hmm. So he ties this in. He fumpers so, fumpers so badly about this. He is He's putting himself like he's he, he outs himself every time this stuff comes up. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know. Sarno. Uh, is the guy who recommended that he go see a therapist and, in fact, gave him a therapist specifically who, who follows the mind-body connection that Sarno preaches. Yep. And, you know, the, one of the first things they discussed was he wanted – the doctor wanted Howard to talk about homosexuality. Right. So and I'm actually – I've got that I've got that clip. We're going to play that. He's already been given the rundown by Sarno Yep. that this guy is a closeted homosexual. Yes, and uh, let's see if I can find the exact one. Um, I think you it's know, called. Uh, oh yeah, I, oh yeah, I, I got something before we go too far. He sort of distinguished 
what bisexual was when he said you couldn't fall in love with a woman. So it's almost therefore then that you're not really bisexual because, yeah. you know, you, that that's like the little caveat he gives. You know, you could be attracted to and want to have sex with a man, but I wouldn't mm. marry for I'm not bisexual. Yeah. The next clip is called uh, Help Us to Remember the Mercer Kitcher Story Because We Can't. <laughs> I got to tell you a funny story. So Beth and I were taking a, a walk. But this was over the summer. And we started talking about the night we met. And we were like arguing. Like I, I go, no, I remember it this way. I, like both of us don't remember a lot of the details. And all of a, a sudden, I said to Beth, you know who really was there? Who who saw it all go down is Ralph. Le yeah, yeah, Ralph and Cabby. Yeah. Chauncey. He would Chauncey. Yep. They were all, they were all like, they were all like, this is the whitewashing of the show. Like if you have you, if every time you turn on the show, you get a new story, you just believe the latest story if you're that stupid. But if you're a, a long-term listener and I mean long-term and you didn't miss anything, you can catch the lies. Like, you know, it's a, catching a beach ball with a, with a, a fly net. So, um, it, it's fairly simple. Now the, <laughs> the, basically the, the premise of this is he, the, the the funny story is that they can't remember because they tell the story so differently every fucking time. That's why it's problematic. If you tell the truth, it's not that hard to remember. Right. And I won't give away the clip, but it it's just more narcissism. That yeah. it's just a bunch of narcissists dancing around each other in this in the in the Robin Howard Ralph Beth world. Yep. And it's also just so telling that they can never remember how long they've been together. Even though they allegedly met in the year zero, 2000, they can, and in 2003, they, th they always say four years, 2010. Yeah. We've been together 11 years. <laughs> Counted from 10 to zero. Well, even Beth slipped up and this summer she was in studio one day and she said 25 years together. That puts that us in 1998. And, and I believe and that. Was. By the I way. believe that one, too. And and I've got that, and I do too, because she said I, I've said it before that Ricky Camilleri short, uh, show where she did an interview, and it was she put it uh, like it was a, whatever the year it was, it put her square into the middle of 1998. Yeah, was that the trip that they took to Hawaii, and there was paparazzi around them? Or am uh, which, I am I what, thinking of a that? different story? Beth and Howard went to Hawaii, and mm -hmm. there was paparazzi in the trees. And they had to hide and go back to their room because they were afraid of being photographed. I think it was a jacuzzi shot of him with Beth and he okay. didn't want it out there. I don't remember if it was Hawaii, but it was definitely some something got got captured. And I'm sure he paid to have it squashed. Well, the, the reason I say that is that's the theory of when they really did get married was way, way back in 98. And that was their honeymoon was to Hawaii. Could be. Who knows? Just a, just a thought. But but then why was he trying to get with Lila Arcieri a year later? Wow. <laughs> yeah, and also Beth will say what age she was when they started dating, even though she wasn't that age in the year 2000. She, yep. she was, you know, she'll say, I was 26 years old, but she was 28 in the year 2000. They well, there's always a, fuck up. I, I've seen theories that she lies about her age by two or three years, that she's yeah. really 53 and she's not 50. So. Mm. God, she, she, she looks like a solid 63 with those clavicles, but. That's the problem, though. We have all these lies upon lies and and there's no way to ever sort them out in any sense of the word it's just all we can do is postulate ideas and theories of what really happened yep let's call ralph and he can remind us of what it was like the night we met because 
We have no, you know, we have no recollection of it. We, he's our tape recorder. He's our witness to the love that was created that night. And we got very excited and we texted Ralph. And Ralph, I go, Ralph, Beth and I are having an argument about what the, the night looked like. The night we met, we can't remember the details. He goes, call me. I remember everything, every detail. So we were excited and we call Ralph and we get him on the speakerphone as we're walking. We go, Ralph, what do you remember? He goes, oh, I remember uh, you guys. And then we went to the club. He goes, we, we had dinner and then we went to the club. And I go, well, well I mean, yeah, I know that. <laughs> but what well, happened? <laughs> now, this is why Ralph was great. You know, you'd think like anyone who was devious would be taking notes on me and, you know, planning his book on, on what a piece of, you know, like all the shitty wild things I did or whatever. Why would you bring that up in the middle of this? Why would you yep. suddenly address that when you're not prompted to? Because paranoia will destroy you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm basically the, the, he's going to the, 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 the jib of the story. I don't want to play the other 35 seconds because it's such a shit story that Ralph can't remember anything except some food. Meanwhile, every time he's been cornered on something, Ralph can't remember anything. So why would you say he's got a great memory? He's not, in, he's not the elephant in the room. He's, no. uh, you know, just, it's just nonsense. So the next clip is called comforting. It's a short clip. Ralph turned me on to the band The Cult that I came to love. I had never never heard of The Cult. And Ralph turned me on to a lot of music. You're you were supposedly the rock DJ. Who doesn't know what who doesn't know about the fucking cult? Come on. Oh boy. In the early days of MTV, Wildflower was a staple. Wildflower and uh, a love removal machine, and then she sells sanctuary. These were all massive, like hits on on you know radio hits too. Actually, for the for the most part, and uh, big albums. You didn't know who the cult were, but you knew who Pablo Cruz were. <laughs> He's such a poser. Oh, brutal. Any any you know, it, it it sounds like a small thing, but Ralph shared a lot of things that I ended up loving. Particularly, hey, now, I, I, I brought Ralph with me to California when I did the Larry Sanders show. He was besides, beside himself. Ralph was the kind of guy who knew how to hang. And this is what people didn't understand about our relationship. I bring Ralph to some parties. I bring Ralph to, uh, you know, I, I bring Ralph to the Letterman show. I bring, you know, to all these different places. And uh, America's Got Talent. And, you know... Of course, I had a lecture him and say, Ralph, you represent me. You're going to have to tone it down a little bit because he was he was very Ralph. But it was very comforting to have him there. OK, Ralph knew how to hang, except when Howard had a New Year's Eve party and Rob Zombie was there and he told him off about how shitty his movies were. They mm -hmm. almost came to blows. <laughs> they had to be separated and Ralph was kicked out. Yep. Oh. Uh, the next one, the next one is called the magic words for today are free and labor. Uh, we did a New Year's Eve show at the uh, what they used to call the Felt Forum at Madison Square Garden, and I needed a guy to make me a giant penis puppet that I could talk to, and Ralph <laughs> made it. it. It didn't work that night. I was on stage. It completely flopped, but it was it was horrible. But uh, nevertheless, we knew Ralph, and then I was like, I'm never working with that guy again. The penis puppet didn't work, and he, he said, no, it didn't work because you didn't work it right or something like that. <laughs> Uh, anyway, but then we got the Channel 9 show and he got in touch with the, the producer, Dan Foreman, our executive producer. And 
Dan hired him. He said, there's some kid out there who wants to do all the makeup and stuff for our show for free. I go, well, the price is right. Dan I go, who is it? You signed up. <laughs> okay. So oh keep in mind, guys, when Howard was working, it was by the by the time the Channel 9 show ran, uh, rolled around, he had left, like at WNBC, and I had this more better written down somewhere else, but when he left at WNBC, he was making $400,000 a year. There's nothing to suggest that he was making less money by the time the Channel 9 show was running around. So if he wanted to book, like if he wanted to pay a person to do this, and really, you know, put his money where his mouth was. He could have easily done that, but he never puts his money into anything. Never. He never invests ever. in himself ever. He wants you to put up the money. He's the idea guy. If it's successful, the the then that's great. But he's not going to drop a dime. And the nothing big, bigger than that than the example of um, Son of the Beach, executive producer, but in name only. He didn't right. front the money. Just he had no credit. stake in it. But if you were to listen to his version of it. Ralph made this failed puppet, dot, 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 never heard of him, from him again until this Channel 9 show. And that's just not the way it happened. No. He, he, he says, Howard invited me to his office and Gary was telling me how lucky you are. Nobody gets this invite. Nobody gets to come spend time with Howard. So uh, they had they built up a little history together. It wasn't like they were like, oh, who are you? Uh, don't I already know you from somewhere? Yep. And the next clip is called, uh, ironically enough, Everybody Needs a Gay Friday. But. That's how we became friends. And then he worked with us on Channel 9 and all subsequent things. And then, you know, every, everywhere, you know, he was with me everywhere we went. If you saw me, you saw Ralph. <laughs> okay. So some would argue, okay, it's a handler. Yeah, that's where they, they you know, that, that always happens in show business. But no, even a manager doesn't go with you everywhere you go. A publicist might, press agent might, security might, but he wasn't security. No, he, he was... His cohort is, yeah, he was just the guy that was going to lick his balls and tell him how great he was. And, you know, oh, you swear this jacket and this scarf or whatever, whatever it was. But he yep. was someone there to puff him up. Yep. And, you know, he made him laugh or whatever fruity stuff they were joking about or, you know, fake grabbing the balls. All those things. That picture oh. still haunts me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was what he did. Yeah, but I don't think it was solely that. I mean, I think Howard saw in Ralph what that priest saw in Ralph. Here's a <laughs> here's a oh. father, young man yep. who I find attractive. I mean, you showed that clip I just saw of um, of Ralph at at Letterman. I mean, he looked he he looked like an '80s blown out hair Duran Duran type of guy, mm -hmm. and I'm sure to somebody like Howard who until then Fred was the hottest guy he knew that yep. suddenly was like, Whoa, who is this young guy? You know, I mean, he's basically, he's the same age Fred was when Howard met Fred. That's right. Okay. And, uh, gotcha. and, 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 you know, in this, in the case of uh, Howard and Ralph, the context is you, I already know you're, I'm your hero. I don't even have to impress you. You know, I, yep. I already know that I'm your hero. The work's so already done. he starts off with this huge advantage. Yep. So I think it's more than just here's a guy who's willing to, you know, kiss my ass or whatever. I yep. think it's like here's a chance that I have, you know, at, at um, you know, finding, exploring another side of my life. Hmm. So, guys, this next range of clips will give you exactly what you need to know. And if you don't, if you still choose to keep your head in the sand, that's a, the, that's up to you. Oh, Ben. 
There was one other thing I wanted to add, and that is, just like with Ralph, just like with Beth, and just like with Allison, Howard never knows how he met anyone. You know, like he would say about Allison, oh, I, I, I walked into the room and there she was, and uh, out of the rain, I need, I need to use the hair dryer. And then in the history of Howard Stern, a friend of his says, that is not how they met. They met at camp. Uh, they were, you know, Allison was Jewish and Howard's Jewish and they met at camp. And um, I don't know why they tell it that way. But everything sort of has to be like, all right, let's come up with an official story and go yep. forward. Here's how it is. <laughs> but let's yeah. forget the story and retell it differently every time. Right. Yeah. So. Homo. And all you do is mooch off of people. You do nothing. That's You're a big homo. That's not entirely true. What do you do? Really? <laughs> I'm bisexual and I don't mooch off everybody. <laughs> Okay, so there's the admission. What's what's the joke? Like he was joking that you know you're half right. I am. I'm not gay. <laughs> I like men and women, and I mooch. <laughs> so right. I mean, you know, like the, that that came right out of him. And the next one is the aforementioned clip with the therapist. This was from uh, 2009, uh, 19 rather. This next clip is actually the aforementioned clip uh, at the therapist's office that uh, that Howard says when he first started going to a therapist, the guy wanted to discuss his gayness, and he wouldn't have it. She then wanted to pursue this lesbian line. I'm like, look, I'm not a lesbian. That's not the issue here. Well, let me well, tell why you. Why are you watching lesbian movies? I'm like, I, don't, I watch every movie. I got to tell you, I had the same thing for a while. Like when I first started therapy, we kept asking me about like gay feel, like, you know, gay this, gay that. I go, oh, listen, yeah? dude, let's cut that shit right now. <laughs> I said, I got no problem with gay people. Do I, I don't have, I'm not gay. Because, yeah, but, you know, you have to explore that side. And I go, bullshit. I'm not exploring that. I got no problem. Yeah, what do you mean explore? <laughs> <laughs> I like chicks, dude. <laughs> so I, I found that when, when I, that was 2017, my bad, not 2019. Uh, Raven? Just that it's too scary for him to even approach that idea because he couldn't. He could never come out with his parents. He could never come out with his radio audience of truck drivers and blue-collar guys who were listening to him mm -hmm. and hearing him tear apart women. So that would be that would go against his business model, let's say. And then, again, with his parents who, you know, talked about other people being f fagolas. And then so he knew that they wouldn't love him if he was or so he told himself. You know, and Howard reacts as though, oh, that's just something therapists do is bring this out of thin, bring this out of thin air. Robin specifically had been talking about how she watches lesbian movies. And so the therapist asks, are you a lesbian? Meaning like, well, why are you watching these movies then? So mm -hmm. then Howard goes, oh yeah, my therapist kept on wanting me to talk about gay stuff too. Which is, why would he ask you that? I mean, why on earth would he think, this is something we should be talking about, Howard? To the point where Howard had said enough already. Uh, this is this is another one that I just decided, I was looking for this one. Uh, well, there's a couple, of, there's a million if we go through it, but this is a six second one. Believe well, me, I know like, one thing. If it was a choice, I'd be gay because <laughs> it'd be a lot easier. Okay, there's mm. that, and there, yeah, there was not, one. That's something Howard has been saying since the '90s that it's so mm -hmm. much easier to be gay, and that he kind of wishes that he was gay. Yeah, which absolutely. Means I couldn't uh, possibly be gay. Well, here's this is from <laughs> right. November fourth, nineteen ninety-nine. Joe, hi, you're on the air. Hey, hey man. Howard. Yeah. What's going on? Man, nothing. Listen, I think uh, it's time you come out of the closet with Ralph. 
Don't believe me. Because I know, I know deep down, and I mean that literally. All right, so I'm a homosexual. You're a, you're a sword swallower. Right. I'm a homosexual. You're right. <laughs> Thanks, Howard. Right. What can I tell you? I'm caught. <laughs> good. In fact, that's good. That would be easy. I'd love to be gay. Be so goddamn simple. And then, then, then when people ask me about why I'm separated from I would just go, you know what? I'm gay. Not David? one stutter there. Not nope. one space in in his whole vocal pattern. It it all just comes out. It flows naturally. But, you know, he's playing it up ironically, of course. Yeah. And it's isn't it odd to, to feel more if it was you and I and people kept on insisting we must be gay. Mm-hmm. There, there would be like, what is with everybody saying this? Why? Why do people? But he's so used to it now. And Ralph just would giggle at it and roll his eyes and and so on. Mm-hmm. But and then you know enjoy toying with people. And that's what would frustrate people. I mean, I remember Dominic Barbara being the one of the most frustrated I've heard uh, about Ralph. Just that he he knows that he's gay. Um, yep. and that 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 kind of thing does can drive a man to be that frustrated where they go. I know my instincts aren't wrong here. You know, this toying with us, this uh, being coy and so on. But Howard, when he put out Miss America in 1995, gave a cover story interview to The Advocate, the gay magazine. And, you know, a big portion of the interview was dedicated to homosexuality. And it's just such a weird thing for a guy who's a married father of three to be like, uh, we want to talk to Howard and we want to talk to him about homosexuality. And he goes, yeah, I'm in. It's just a very strange um, pretext for this interview. I agree. And so he's been telling this for a long time. I wish I was gay. That would make everything so easy. Well, he's been he's been milking this. You know, the is Ralph gay, isn't he, with the lie detector. I mean, for years. And it just it's been more content than anything. And he's just he you know, he's flying too close to the sun almost mm-hmm. with some of this stuff. But yeah. it again, it. The trans as of the past, what, five years has been nonstop. So it's kind of evolved or devolved into, you know, the horrible radio that we get. But he uses it all for content without ever giving any any real final answers to anything Mm -hmm. on anyone's sexuality. So just to to lie detector thing, just look at that. I remember I woke up this morning thinking about when Howard himself took the lie detector test about the homosexual questions. And his was the only one that we didn't hear uh, on the air. And all that we heard was Howard answered truthfully. Now, we weren't told what he was asked and we weren't told how he answered. We were just yep. told he answered truthfully. And then his, so he just said, that's proof I'm not gay yep. without knowing what you were asked or how you answered. Right. No logic. And I, no, and none, I, would, no. I, I would suspect that I refuse to answer is not a lie. So you might have said I refused to answer, and then you, therefore I didn't lie. Right. Yep, and I've and I've played this clip many times, but I got to throw it in because this is more like it, it spans the decades and it keeps coming back. So this is Robin in pure chemo. Del- like I don't know why she decided to blurt this out, but it was so telling. And the pauses, and you have to listen to Howard's reactions. Hey, why don't you rub your cock up against the phone? Let me see what kind of noise it makes. Not gonna do that. Just do it. It's a big deal. Are you gay? Which Howard are you talking to? The one who asked that question. Oh, no. I'm just trying to be entertaining. That's mm-hmm. all. I'm not gay. <laughs> Am I gay? Of course not. I have a wife. 
<laughs> a lot of gay men have wives. Yeah, but come on. You know me. <laughs> you know I'm not gay. I'm just asking the guy how big his cock is. Well, you're asking him to rub it up against the phone. See, like mm. when I heard that, I was th- I was like floored that in this era, Robin was able. That just came out of nowhere, and right. clearly she was she forgot herself. I think. And this is a master comedian broadcaster, and the best he can do is go, "I'm not gay." Right. You can't you can't come up with something funny on the spot. Just go, "What? Oh no, I'm not gay. I'm married." This is <laughs> not a he- you're talking to. She knows you. Yeah, and also when uh, when Roger Daltrey said, "What happened to the jokes?" His first thought is, yeah. "Show me your yeah. cock." Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so the next one, guys, is called "Revisionist Daughter Memories." I called uh, I called my daughter last night, Emily, and I yeah, called I all my daughters. That. I said you had to tell them because they knew Ralph. Oh yeah, Emily was like, "Oh no, I love Ralph." I go, "Yeah, I know." I remember you two guys just running around the house together laughing, and I thought it was so great. She had so many. She had so many memories of uh, of Ralph. And the kids were upset too. Okay, first of all, why did you have to tell them? Shouldn't they be calling you, offering their commiserations if they found out about it? No, he needed someone to talk to. So, he, and also, he said, "I called my daughters. I called Emily. I called my daughters." No, you called one daughter. Uh, fake, fake, fake. Nope. Yeah, I, I'm sure the young daughters would have been just fine. Oh yeah, give your attention and affection to your male friend, dad, not us. We're fine with that. that mm-hmm. That's right. And, and so this is the next one. This is from probably 2000. Daughters know all about Ralph. Jeff, you're on the air. How you doing, Howard? Hey, bro. This is Tony from Miami. Oh, hi, Tony. Hey, hey listen. You I think you're gay, man. You left no. your wife. How many days a day? How many times a day do you call your boyfriend? Ralphie. Yeah. See, now you know. Now I'm gay. There you go. I'm gay. You have a room for him at your house? Yeah, I keep a special room. In fact, this is funny. Um, You know, my daughter's bedroom. Uh Ralph slept over there, and I said, he was in my daughter's bedroom. I told my daughter, I said, oh, Ralph slept over there. She goes, he's sleeping in my bed. I go, yeah, she goes, you better burn the sheets. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. Yeah, I said, I'm gonna. (laughs) You're damn right. This is from the audio of him leaving these phone messages on on how, on uh, Ralph's machine, and I am going to play one portion of that because I think it's just as more like there's a couple of hardcore QFers who still don't believe he's gay, and I'm like, guys, you missed the train a long time ago, and I, I'll 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 be fine. Like I I just disagree with you guys. I just don't. I would love to know the thought process of why you think he's not after all this is said and done because there's no smoking gun. Well, you don't. We never saw Rock Hudson. Die. I, we never saw him have sex with men, but somehow this came out. Um, Raven? Well, I'm just thinking of uh, Hugh Jackman right now. Yes. You yep. know, he's lived the perfect life with the best beard. And now, you know, he's got her signing an NDA for the divorce. That's kind of strange. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's been done. And, you know, I'm on I'm on the side with you that how could we not have seen it all these years and it was he was just throwing it in our face and dancing mm-hmm. around it. So I, I, I almost run out of things to say with this sometimes because I've said so much already that yep. it it you know it it becomes boring and tiresome to me, I think. Yep. So here's a short clip from two thousand one, uh, April third. My daughter's uh, 15. All her friends are, like, consumed with who's gay and who isn't. Exactly. Yeah, that's, like, a big that's thing. That's the new thing. Yeah, right. They think I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> gay. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure they do. 
Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Absolutely. This one is called, uh, this is from uh, 2001 as well, I believe. Howard, Ralph, and Casey watch trans porn. I'm just going to play a little segment of it. Let me see him kiss some guy yeah. in the mouth. Yeah, so we went in the back there. We were watching Gia with the penis. How yeah. much of it? Mm. Watched almost the whole thing. They, they watched an entire movie. <laughs> we were, you know what? It kind of sucked because Gia is, huge. is with a girl. And if well, the girl looks like a man, but it was really a girl. Okay. The, the, the problem was that Gia whipped it out right away. Well, what? Yeah, it, like it was like yeah, I would have like build up. I would have liked to see Gia perform oral sex on a man because right. at least then you'd know like he was good at that. Instead, he was being the guy. What straight man watches transporn to begin with, and then says the the only problem with this is there's a woman in the video getting fucked. Icky so, vagina. <laughs> so the people, so the people who listen to this and don't believe that Howard's gay, they would tell you, "Oh, don't you get it? He's just being funny." They're they're all just watching this trans stuff forever to be funny off air to be funny. Right. What's like oh, like unsolicited? Howard's personal life. The daughters who don't even listen to Howard's show, and certainly aren't on forums online, think he's gay. But, you know, it's just because he's being funny. How, how much evidence do they need that it's not anymore just us saying, oh, he's gay. But people who are 15-year-olds who have no awareness of him outside of what they see with their own eyes yep. think he's gay. The thing that strikes me about the clip is it was Ralph and Howard with KC. Almost yeah. like they were grooming him, trying to find yep. a younger, newer model yep. that they could throw into their trysts. And... You know, looking for clues that maybe he would be aroused, maybe he would wink at them or give some kind of uh, passive clue that mm -hmm. they could pick up on and then maybe like dig deeper with Casey because he was, were, you know, the best looking guy on the show. They were yeah. hoping I'm going to play a little bit more of that clip, just a, a small segment where they start talking about like, look, look you know, talk about whether you were aroused or not, whatever they were doing to the same to Casey that they later tried to do to to uh, Mehmet. And uh, Mehmet wouldn't bite. Mehmet no. was yeah. just like, no, I'm Twinkie, but I'm not gay. I really like I look I looked at like everything you guys want to have for breakfast, but I'm not the buffet. <laughs> right. They perceived a weakness in him that they yep. could go. He's one who I mean, he's one who could be lured. So I don't know what it was about him, but they, they thought we could do it. We, it's all <laughs> we can learn to the dark side. Why <laughs> him with enough stimulation? Yeah. And, you know, you can, you can count on it. He's going to come through. Yeah, and he eventually, think, did, he eventually was with the trans uh, woman. But but how much of that was Casey wanting to get a like get on the air for something like you know uh, what I mean? Because like, he knew the show and he would have known that gay is the way to get on the air and that's how you could do it. Maybe, but I recall that show and I just recently looked it up because um, they were using the term transvestite at the time to describe this person. Yeah, and I remember that Casey seemed very shell shocked by just going through the story. So and, and the person said that once Casey realized once he said I'm a man that Casey left. So he didn't get he didn't you know for the good of the story he would have gone further. So I don't think it was uh just for airtime. Okay, fair enough. Right. My thinking is that they would dangle airtime, you know, uh moving up on the ladder of of the show by getting these getting Mamet or Casey to I don't know, talk gay, do gay skits, something along those lines, or watching porn, you know, gay porn, being, yeah. you know, with a man, going to a gay club, something like that. I'm sure Ralph tossed around this, some of those ideas.
but also keep in mind, like that's what Howard was trying to get uh, Fred to be back in the day. Mm -hmm. The idea guy, the impression guy, and also a guy to suck my cock. And then later on, so that, that didn't work out, but he still got a use to Howard as a guy who will just be an underling, clean up his records, do impressions, work for cheap. And then later on, now the ultimate has happened. He's got wilding the guy who does the impressions, but maybe can also suck my dick and is gay and happy to talk about it on the air. The trifecta, right. like the, the oh grand slam of fruitiness for the air, for his purposes and personal purposes. Uh, yeah. Ben, you know, and I also would love to remind people who might still think Howard's straight. The 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 uh, attempted seduction of Fred when they shared a hotel room together, right? Yep. And the, he says he claims I thought Fred was gay, mm-hmm. so I thought I would find out by walking around in my underwear and trying basically to lure him out. Yep. That's not that. If you suspect the guy's gay and you're not gay, why on earth would you want to stimulate him when you're in the same room together? You'd want to, you know, walk around in sweatpants at all times and, uh, you know, keep your distance from the guy, not try to lure him out. I'm still shocked that Fred stuck around after that because he knew this guy was kind of probing to see, like, if he could get with him. And then still, like, 40 years later, Howard still teases that him and Fred suck each other off or... You know, play ass pirate, whatever their thing, you know, whatever joke comes up that's written for him at the time. But Fred just takes it. Fred doesn't care. He's just collecting checks right now. Yeah, we played it in the uh, Colford thing saga. I can't find it offhand, but I definitely yeah. know in that seg- segment where they meet Fred that we definitely went through uh, the tail end of one of those Colford episodes, guys. So for future reference, so the next one is called Tweedledum and Tweedledway, uh, Tweedledee, uh, way dumber, folks. A lot of controversy whether Ralph was gay or not. We gave him a a gay lie detector test. Ed Torian uh, came on and <laughs> Ralph submitted to a test. Great thing about Ralph is he's never offended. He didn't care. He didn't care what yeah, you thought. Whether he passed the test or not, he was not bothered by by the result. Oh, I remember what my daughter said to me last night now that I'm thinking about it. She goes, I remember you and Ralph standing in the driveway you had a pair of boots that you both decided looked too new so you guys took your jeep and you and ralph were running over your shoes in the driveway to give him a scuffed up look ralph and i had this plan (laughs) where we would take so we took my boots that i just bought ralph ran the my jeep over the boots while i held them the the entire top of the boots ripped right off. That was it. That was the end of the boots. <laughs> the boots fell apart. <laughs> and the boots the boots completely fell apart. <laughs> I was so pissed. Well, what idiots! This is where John Barbados got the idea to pre-distress the boots yes. going forward. Yep, yep. And the next one is called "Imagine This Was Your Father, Guys." Emily also said she remembers us standing in the house when Beavis and Butthead were popular. Just doing that, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys did that all the time. Uh, this would have been like ni- early 90s, like 92, 93, even 91. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, 92, I would say. And Howard being what? Um, what, 42, 41 years old? 40? Yeah. 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 A grown man doing Beavis and Butthead. Okay. And the next one is called Dominic Claims Howard is Gay. This is from March 27th, uh, 2001. Ralph, you gay. You can't even take a test. You're so gay, you can't take a test. Yeah, Dominic, you're on the air. 
I don't believe it. What? I don't believe your results. Why? Because you spent all your life with Ralph, and he's gay. How can a heterosexual man spend his life with a homosexual First man? of all, you're trying to be funny. Second of all... <laughs> I told you he <laughs> has this theory that you're gay. Yeah, and let me tell you something. Ralph is my friend. Ralph and I don't spend that. When's the last time we got together socially? I can't even remember. <laughs> you know, he spends his every making moment with him. <laughs> Listen to him fumpering for that. That was that well, was that, that was him yeah, in crisis because mode. He calls everything a meeting. He calls everything a meeting, so it's not socially. This is a meeting. Yep. Business. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Why? Well, I've been with a girl. Yeah, but for years he shaves your back. Nah, he's listen, he's, he's a guy. I work on television. He dresses me. That's you know, all. The only weird thing for me has been, like, at your apartment, I see that you have, like, that big closet. And I think you said, like, you've been in there in your underwear. Ralph has shown you stuff. Sure. That's weird to me. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, we'll get into that later, Ben. <laughs> you know, um, also, when he was in, in camp, <clears throat> he brought on some girls who had been in summer camp with him back in, I think it was 90, late 80s, early 90s. Yep. They said that they thought that he and Dr. Lou were gay. Yes. So okay. this has been his entire life. People who know him have suspected he was gay. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's unusual. That's extraordinary. Well, let's bring it, you know, into um, what was it a week or two ago when Bradley Cooper came in, who is a well-known closeted, you know, uh, gay Superstar. man. Yep. Right. But he's had. Uh, he's been at Howard's house. He left his swimming trunks there. They've mm -hmm. had multiple dinners together. Just alone. One was alone, and another one was with Beth. And I forget who, uh, Judd Apatow. It might have been like like it might have been a yeah, like a not Affleck, but you know someone of that nature, like Matt it, Damon or somebody like that, or Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, so Bradley wanted you know Howard to see his new movie that he put together on yeah. uh, Leonard Bernstein. So. It, uh, yeah, that's right up Howard's alley. Who was closeted also, and it's just, <laughs> it's too much, really. Yeah, like, guys, they're hiding in plain sight. The next one is the wrap-up show, wrap show caller asking Sal why he's comparing Ralph to, to Beth. Why do you compare Ralph with Beth? No, I don't. Interesting. Good question. That is a good question. It wasn't It wasn't so much a comparison. That people wonder on, like I wondered, I know me personally, like how could a guy like Ralph, like this clingy, uh, swarmy type of guy, you know, doesn't hold down a job and leeches off of people like swarmy? Sam Simon. You know, how can, you, how can he leech onto a guy like Howard? Like what does Howard see in him? You know, Howard's such a dignified man, you know? <laughs> okay. <He is> <laughs> What? Smart oh, so he is. I mean, if you know Howard, like, I think I know Howard. Uh -huh. So well, wouldn't you compare him to, like, his other friends, his other male friends? Not the person he's No, because Ross with, Zapin, okay, Ross Zapin's another friend of Howard's, and Ross Zapin is a guy who is... Who's bright? Who's articulate? Who is a successful person? <laughs> so the only per I mean, so there's, no, there's no other people. And then you have Dominic. Dominic's like a, a somewhat of a friend. I don't know, but the thing is that to me, if you take a look at Howard Stern and you take a look at Beth and you take a look at Ralph and you put them all on paper, who do you think Howard would most likely gravitate to? I mean, it's not going to be the swarmy guy. Who's He's going to gravitate to the person he could have sex with. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so there you go. I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> I love it. 
Cell <laughs> encapsulating, sorry, <laughs> encapsulating the whole uh, process there. Yeah, yeah, that's what they have in common. They're both employees and they both sleep with the boss. Although I don't think Beth sleeps with them at all. That was just bearding. So, um, you know, theoretically, though, that's what they want people to, to believe, that he's straight, he's married, and this is just an assistant. Uh, Raven. I just want to acknowledge the two people he used in the comparison were Dominic, a lecherous lawyer, and Ross Zapin, a drug-addicted poonhound that has, you know, done whatever disgusting things to move his way up in the music business. Yep. So Howard just surrounds himself with these debaucherous, degenerate dirt bags. Dirt bags. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You, know, I just re- you know, we were talking about lifelong people suspecting Howard's gay. I, I believe that his mother suspected he was gay, which is why she got him Playboy, which is such a weird yes. thing for a mom to do for a 13-year-old boy. Yeah, and it backfired because she he used it to lure his male friends over to masturbate in his room. <laughs> <laughs> I've always agreed with that theory of yours. Always, yeah, yeah, yeah that was bait. Strange. Yeah, yeah. It backfired, and then and, and then yeah. So the next one is Wiggy and Ralph reminiscing about an old date. First thing I always think of was when the band is mentioned is that time we saw them when they did the uh, with the orchestra at Madison Square Garden. That was like maybe the best show I've been to in my life. It was just so fucking different. Ralph and uh, it was Ralph, a couple other people. I won't mention them all, but we all went to see Metallica at the uh, (laughs) Madison Square Garden. And we got so charged up. We were right at the um, we were at the base of the stage and they were fucking playing with a 70 piece orchestra. We got so jacked up. I we think were right I, on top of them. We were between them and the audience. I mean, we were right there. It was crazy. Yeah, and I don't think Robert remembers, but um, we were jamming with him on stage. Like we were, we were like headbutting, and he was almost like right on top of us. And then I got so we. I don't know how it happened, but we one of the dudes we were with, we pulled his pants off. <laughs> what? <laughs> we did. Yeah, we took his pants off. His whole he was naked. Uh, we got we got crazy. The, the Metallica okay. music. Makes, you know what? I gotta say, I bet. Okay, that was re- uh, that was reprised when Metallica were in studio and Lars was just and James were they they were taken aback like they know they were speechless they didn't know what they to were say. yeah yeah Ben are you gonna play that clip or something because that he he uh, he claims that when he saw them at the Apollo that men were getting like so charged up for Metallica's sexy masculine that's another word that he likes to use uh, masculine sound that they were making out with each other. Yeah, uh, let me see. Metallic, I'm going to see about Metallic. I don't remember what it was called, but uh, let's see. Metallic, I don't know. if. It, oh, Wig went gay at Metallica, 37 seconds. Okay, Wig's gay gun stuns Metallica. <laughs> I think they're both short clips. Should I just play them? Sure. <laughs> okay, uh, this one first. Richie got raved at the concert. He has a much different no. uh, memory of it. Oh, and they're talking about Richie Notar, who, by the way, guys, if you want to know his gay credentials, he was a busboy at Studio 54. And part of the duty of the busboys mm-hmm. was to basically f- uh, service whoever it was that needed it for, and for Coke. And it, Coke was flying drugs. everywhere yep. and drugs and certainly a lot of ACDC stuff. He runs Nobu. 
And uh, he <laughs> is a long time, I'm sure, free <laughs> substance. He subsidizes Howard's like, you know, meal plan for the last however many oh. years and prefer free plugs over the years. He's right. it's never been an official plug, but he's been mentioning we were at Nobu all the time. And I think there's no way that isn't a plug. For sure. Yeah. Even though that's illegal. So here we go. <laughs> we were so charged up. We all went gay. We, it, it was so masculine that uh, we went over. Is that what gay. you could slip over into gay? You get so far over no. on the masculine scale, no. you slip over? No, in <laughs> fact, uh, I remember uh, I met a woman that night and and uh, I, I was so jacked up. You know, I was single at that concert. I was so yeah. jacked up that uh, I took her home and made love to her. So, uh, so that you just met her that night? Just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was. Yeah. So, but but either way, this is the, the the you know the 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 part that never gets talked about is that he went with a woman afterwards. Okay. Well, I'm not buying like, it. That, yeah, that's that's, that's that's suddenly never part of the story, and now suddenly it is because I think he realized, God, did I just out myself? I got to no, backtrack it, here. He he went back with Ralph. He didn't yeah. go back with a woman. I Maybe think, Ralph uh, dressed as a woman. A lot of single women. No. And so Wiggy's gay guns. I don't know, but yeah, Wiggy's gay gun stuns Metallica. So they're in studio. Studio. This was at November eighteenth, two thousand twenty-one. You guys, <laughs> but uh, did you hear that story? Remember? I don't know if you guys ever heard that. I went to your show. I not only got laid that night, but I pulled my. But two of us pulled our our friend's pants off. It was like very. Um, it was very erotic. It was some dude's <laughs> pants we took off. We we got so charged up from your from your uh, concert appearance that we literally started pulling our friend's pants off. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was really oh, weird. I was like, I was super heterosexual that night and super gay that night. I was both things. Do you know what your music does to people? It makes we're, me crazy. We're happy, we're happy to, to elicit any response. And that's, <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's well, that's as Kirk awesome. says, that's when you know you're a professional musician. That's, that's right. You know, that's right, man. A guy. Okay. Yeah, I, think uh, I think he has yet another story where guys couldn't control themselves because of Metallica's masculine sound. Yep. Which makes, which then he believes then that straight men can become gay. Mm hmm. Just not him, but other yeah. statements can become gay. <laughs> Next clip is Howard uh, loves to respect boundaries. Whole asshole hanging out. And uh, and and by the way, at one point I I I walked into his room. He, the dude sleeps nude, <gasps> and I saw his asshole and everything. Oh. His ass was facing me, so I closed the door. <laughs> Don't even ask. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, but he was in your house. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, I thought my nude. dog was in the room with him, so I knocked. I didn't know he was asleep already. Yeah. I opened up the door. Big fucking Ralph asshole <laughs> staring in my face. Staring right at you. Big ass. You <laughs> know? Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shut the door. It's like, oh, fuck, man. This so is you saw two assholes in yeah, your back. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sitting there going, hey, he's naked in my room. Like that, 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 first of all, why are you, why are you going into the room when it's, you're not supposed to be someone's, someone's in there. And he tried to get into Artie's room and Artie had locked the door. Right. He knew Smart. better. Smart. So he knocked. There was no answer, and he immediately opened up the door. Does right, and there was an a, a whole asshole waiting for him. Yeah. Uh huh. Right. I mean, what he didn't say was his face was right in it. So the next what one a, is what a story too. And then I closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not right away. Yeah, exactly. 
What a story. He's a, he's a real Mark Twain. The next one is <laughs> Wiggy is jealous of Sam Simon. This is from uh, 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 8805, 2005. All right. You know, go back to Sam Simon's loving arms. <laughs> Why is Sam? Not, you know, right. It'd be one thing if Ralph had some business out there and Sam said, oh, come stay with I me. I have some business. We're doing some work. Monkey business. What? He flew you out. Yeah, because I'm working. Oh, please. Sam's like, Sam's in love with Ralph. There's like a whole thing going on. Sam wears eye makeup, so I don't know. There's Sam don't, wears eye makeup? I, you say that. I don't think, I don't say it. Something's up. I, I look at Sam sometimes. I think I see eye makeup. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going Get on. Get out So he's been hinting at this for the longest time. We're Sam Simon long right. dead now, but and there's no evidence, you know, other than the fact that he died, he died single, but he I don't know. I don't think there's any doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that Sam Simon was a closeted guy, but um, other people will beg to differ. But there really isn't much out there online to indicate in my favor. So, but the the relationship they had and and Ralph's, you know, I'll play more. There's a little bit more. Here's let me just play a little bit more from that segment. Sure he was you don't just, have any money. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he was just your friend Shut because up. you were my friend. But that was my theory. Well, of course, he, he deemed you. No, sorry, this is from a little later, like 2021, or say, or 2020, even late, when Ralph was on the phone for for one rare occasion. No, because he deemed you cool because you hung around with me. Oh, that it? Okay, good. I don't know. It just seemed weird oh. to me that Sam was so close with you. But anyway, Sam took Ralph to Hawaii, and then Norm would be there with his family, yeah. so Ralph actually got to hang out with Norm. Okay, so Sam Simon would fly out Ralph. Yep. John Stamos would fly out Ralph, and he stayed with him for weeks yep. while he had a wife and a brand new baby. Yes. So we know that Stamos was a swinger back in the day with Rebecca. Yep. Um, Ralph was just gay for hire. That's all yep. it was. He was a companion to men who needed company for a while. He would party with them. I'm sure there were drugs involved. Stamos was a known drug addict and yep. alcoholic. So... The pieces just fit too well. And these were guys also that did, in, did I don't know if it was hero worship or they liked Howard. They were in his circle somehow. And mm. there was some, some sort of sharing of Ralph. He was being passed around. And yes, and he was clearly, again, the loyalty thing, the trustworthiness to keep all their secrets, right. you know, he to take them him. to the great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ben? You know, the, the uh, swinging party that he and Beth Howard and Beth had with Stamos and Stamos' right. wife. It was like a month after their alleged first meeting because it was right mm -hmm. around Beth's birthday. I think so. So they met on Mother's Day. Her birthday's in July, I think. So they yeah. had only been dating allegedly for six weeks. And yeah. they suddenly say, let's get into the tub with uh, Stamos. <laughs> so maybe it's possible Ralph was there. We've never heard that story, you know, taking Polaroids and so on. Video, yeah. right? Yeah. I believe it. Uh, it, it is funny because I just couldn't imagine – Sam Simon and John Stewart flying out, say Dominic Barbara, because he hangs out with Howard. So let's hang out with Dominic Barbara also. Yeah. There's something Next about one. how uh, Ralph in particular that these men responded to. Mm -hmm. Yep. So the next one is from 2006, 11th, uh, November 29th. Uh, Wiggy's curious about Sam's arrangement with Ralph, part one. And by the way, let me change the topic for one minute. So you took Ralph to Hawaii for a week? Yeah. Ralph joined a bunch of people. Yeah, we had a lot of fun in Hawaii. Do you, do you fly Ralph out and pay for all of his hotel and everything? Uh, everything. 
Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Why are you wow. hesitating? <laughs> What's the uh, allure there? I mean, I mean, I love Ralph and everything. Why don't you but give me a vacation? Why do you? Why Ralph? Like, what do you get out of it? <laughs> Honestly, what's going on there? Well, he's a okay, so that laugh to me mm -hmm. sealed sealed the deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you guys, do you, do you need me to play any more? Because it's really just him talking about how he knows how to hang and all that stuff. I don't think there's much more needed. Nope. But we have a little bit more from the same thing because it's just a little a short segment. Same day. Shameless. So, so, uh, <laughs> so he did, in other words, wind up picking up a little bit of Ralph's. Thing. Yeah, absolutely. The only because people say to me, "What does Sam get out of it?" And I said, "I think Sam thinks like Ralph's a cool oh, guy man. and like can oh, get yeah. girls around." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so listen, Fred playing that brutal master clip, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like underneath. So they they've been talking about it for so long. Is it really a surprise? Is it really some kind of shock? Or do people are people that willful willful blindness towards all this? denial you know yeah. it's god forbid they were listening to a guy you know who lied to them so much so deeply on so many yeah. issues like they can yeah. only take so much i guess people don't so. always want to have their eyes opened or they don't want to they don't want to wake up and take the red pill it's just mm -hmm. some people are that way yeah and you know starting around 2008 i think it was you just started seeing these people who were really close in the howard stern universe close on the air anyway, all started coming out as gay. Joey Boots, and then Captain Jenks later came out as gay. Bigfoot is bisexual with a trans person, with his male man, with whatever. I, and mm -hmm. uh, just started going, how is it that there's, now Bigfoot wasn't really infatuated with Howard, but Captain Jenks was, and Boots were, but Boots right. was. You go, what is it about this man in particular that they're like, you know, that they want to orbit him and be as close to him as possible? Hypogeric, you know, with his uh, Donnie Wahlberg. It's just going, wait a minute, what are the odds that this many men are suddenly gay? Or, you know, they are, or not suddenly, but are now revealing themselves to be gay. It's just very strange. And now, El you know, you know elegant, 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 often who would dress yeah. in drag. Oh, right. Yeah, but he was be, he would be in a dominatrix type relationship. So I don't know, I mean, I don't know what sexuality was, but, you know. Yeah. So the next one is called Ralph, the Furnace of Ambition from the eulogy clip. One time I said to Ralph, Ralph, you, you need to develop a skill. You, you can't just work for me the rest of your life. He goes, yes, I can. I go, well, maybe. So I said, what about working like in a store, like a high end um, cosmetic store? You know so much about makeup and stuff. He looked at me like I was. He goes, I can't work in a store. I go, why not? He goes, too many people will recognize me. I go, what? <laughs> now you're famous? Ralph counted on all these guys to basically, he was, you know, a live-in slave. Like, he would just, uh, he counted on his ability to remain loyal to keep him in in cheese sticks. He counted that, like, he'd have plenty of Slim Jims for the rest of his life if he kept his mouth shut. And rich guys, you know, right. like Sam, we speculated maybe he left him money, whatever. I don't believe he left him a dime, personally. Um, I think it was one of those things that uh, Sam didn't even consider because no one knows that they're going to, you know, whether they're going to pass away or not. And maybe he hadn't had it in the will or didn't want it, certainly didn't want to um, even address it. But Stamos, uh, like, he, he wanted to be taken care of like a girlfriend. Sure. He got the girlfriend experience with Ralph. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny, too, that Howard threw out there, oh, I think these guys just think, like, Ralph can get girls. Why would they think that? Ralph? Yeah. 
you know, the only interactions they ever saw of Ralph with girls was him on the other end of a laser pointer berating <laughs> them as, you know, unworthy. And you fighting know, pointing them. Pointing out flaw after flaw after flaw. Or calling them stupid on the phone, you know, calling, getting into an argument with them. There was no attraction uh, to, to Ralph. Yep. I'm willing to bet that Ralph name-dropped Howard in clubs and as an as a an entryway into talking to girls into getting and being like I can get you on the show I can get you in Playboy he would make up all these connections or use just name drop Howard to leverage himself into situations whether those women had money would buy him drinks would get him into a a better club whatever yep. it was an after party uh, a swingers party at the end of the night who knows yep. yeah but he did Kate have Halen. a social Ralph had so much social game. It's disgusting how mm-hmm. he could finagle his way into all these relationships and, you know, have things given to him constantly. You know, the fact that he would be interacting with strippers, I mean, it, it gives credence that he's not strictly homosexual. However, I also think he probably had a low sex drive. Like he would, he didn't, he wasn't as hungry for sex as these men who he's hanging out with were hungry for sex. Mm-mm. So, you know, he could go and be a, he, he could go and be coy and hang out with them. I, I just kind of think that his sexual appetite was whatever's in front of me. That, you know, yeah. basically is what I have. Right. And the booze and the drugs would allow him to get into whatever situation and and just let it happen. Because and I wondered there was, if the booze and the drugs ever came out when they're watching tranny movies with KC, for example. Sure. Have a, have a drink, KC. Tell us what you right. think of this movie. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, of course, if he was really an, an introvert, that that all that those stuff would help him be more extroverted in those situations and hence become more of an asshole in said situations. So sure. uh, the yeah. next one here, uh, Wiggy outing Ralph's 30 minutes a week. <laughs> Tony Soprano walking out on a, a party that Christopher's. Uh, it's incredibly because like. I agree. I agree with Ralph. Well, Gary has a hard shell, and I've learned to have and a Mary, hard shell. Mary, you too. You're the hostess. How can you, and you're busy packing up shit for these two? Let <laughs> 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 get the fuck out there. No one is better to Ralph than me. I don't think there's a person on the planet who's good to Ralph. And anyone who is, it's because of me. That's why Sam Simon has him to the house. I should say that Sam. fucking ingrate for these two. For these two, jealous fuck. <laughs> He's off my fucking list. Get Ralph, oh, no bonus stop, this year. Go suck my dick. Let's see somebody else pay you for coming over at a half hour a week. <laughs> the guy's whole job is a half hour a week. Then he goes down to the Gap and buys me a shirt. Uh, Cocksucker. Stupid fuck. Yeah, he's on the shit list is right. Uh, he just sucker. joined the shit list. Right. See how vicious he got in like no time by hearing that. Like, And, and he went mostly gay. Yeah, he's, je- he's a jealous queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know that they, they, he's always done the I'm the friend ally of the LGBT community, and I will use the gay accusation as a sledgehammer against you if you ever cross me. Yep. Mm. Next yeah. clip is Wiggy, Wiggy the altruist from again August eighth, two thousand five. Here's where Ralph gets killed. This is where it, not only does he not have the conversation that slows him down. There's a certain sense of entitlement, as if he's entitled to fly first class. Right. That's where people start to get mad at him, like the listeners and stuff. Yeah. Well, hey, he's living the life. What hey, can I tell I'm, you? I'm jealous. I got. Yeah, I'm happy for him. And the other thing is, he has the time. Yeah. Oh, oh open ended. <laughs> you got to You know. You know what? I've been um, desperate to get the TV show back. In fact, I thought they were starting today. I don't even know what went wrong. Uh-huh. 
And two of my concerns were like Tony, the hairdresser. I want her back here. And the, a lot of the guys need money, you know. Right. They, and I said, you know, and Ralph, I said, his only source of income is my show. And so, so this is him like really just kind of this is in between when the E show was canceled and then he was going over to Sirius. So he was trying to plan all this out and figure out how it could be done. And, and actually, Sirius were not too happy at the fact that they made that Howard TV was a pay service as well because people had to double dip to get that content. And they were like, this isn't going to work. So there was a bit of staggering involved. And also they needed content before then. But he was still working on getting some of those people from E to work for him there. And but then making sure Ralph is on the payroll. I think that's what that Richie's dead on when he talks about you know, needing to, did not wanting to provide them with health care, so get them on some other person's nut. Yeah, that's why you got segments like the Sibian, which he never did on terrestrial radio, because the double dipping, <clears throat> now there's a visual that you can pay for, and I'm going to get money from subscribers. Once Howard TV ended, you ne the heterosexuality pretense ended as well. There's no more mm -hmm. of that. Yep. Want to make sure he's okay. So... I said to Ralph before he was leaving, I said, listen, you probably have to start work next week. I think the TV show's starting up again. And he went, what? <laughs> he goes, oh, man, I was hoping for a couple of weeks. Where I go, I'm doing this so you could have a job. Right, you're worried. You're more worried than he is. Yeah, he was like, I'm furious. I'm furious with you. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? Let him, he is, I don't understand. I'm feeling all this it. pressure so my people <laughs> right. can get back to work. You're, I don't where, know. Where's the point where he goes, oh, my God, I haven't made money in a month. Right. How am I going to pay Thank my you. rent? I don't know. <laughs> that might be one of the most infuriating things to me about narcissists is their entitlement yeah. and the belief that they deserve money for doing nothing. Yep. And this is one of Howard's faults that Ralph had it, too. Oh, just real quick. I was also calling because uh, I just wanted to Bye. my two <laughs> See you later. Of Thanks, Harry. Back, back. <laughs> back, back. All right, buddy. Back, back. Eric, what? I couldn't hear you. What did you say? I said the tour that I'm. Take care, man. Back, back. <laughs> Don't ever call back. Back, back. <laughs>